Welcome back to I Did This Instead of Killing Myself, a stand-up comedy and lifestyle podcast I host out of my apartment. My name is David Baker. It's the week of February 21st, 2022. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you guys had a good Valentine's Day. And I am very... um, I'm excited every week. I say that every week. I'm excited about the guest. But uh, I'm especially excited about today's guest because um, our guest today is an actor, not a stand-up comedian, and he's a good friend of mine. I don't, I don't know if I would say good friend, pretty good friend, um, Jake Kelly. Uh, this dude is, um, um, he's an actor. Now, when somebody says they're an actor, especially if they're young, you might think, okay, like, you're going to be an actor, Really? You really want to be an actor? You want to be a, a professional football player? You want to be a, you know, an astronaut? You know, a lot of people try to do this. A lot of people pay lip service to it and, and may or may not be successful. Jake's killing it. Jake Kelly is, um, like I said, he's a, a friend of mine. I met him in Atlanta um, when he was a bartender. Um, and... At that time, he had only just started acting, but he is now um, having some some major success. The most prominent role uh, that he's known for is he's in the Righteous Gemstones, the HBO show on um, streaming now. Season two just just started, um, starring Danny McBride, uh, John Goodman, um, and many others. The HBO. It is so cool to see my buddy doing his thing on the big screen, and um, very excited about that. So uh, I want to play for you a clip. This is the clip that he is featured in, season two, episode one on the Righteous Gemstones. He is the maniac kid. So here it is, Jake Kelly in the Righteous Gemstones. kid dude oh my gosh he's an animal how cool was that dude body slamming people and shit. so that's that's jake kelly i do i have seen uh the the first few episodes of season two he basically plays john goodman's character as uh in a flashback scene and he, there's some crazy stuff in there so yeah jake kelly on the big screen started as a bartender and um in Buckhead and in Atlanta and he, and he's still in school. He's still a young actor, still hustling. But, uh, you know, we had a great interview. We talked about acting. We talked about his start in acting and his story. We talked about the differences between stand up and, uh, and improv and acting and, and kind of how those things overlap. And, and we talked about a lot more too, but, um, the biggest thing, man is, is, uh, 
that that really inspires uh me and hopefully other people is like you know anything could happen anything could happen so don't talk yourself out of doing something that you love to do because even if you feel stupid when you start or like you would with anything you could be at HBO with freaking Danny McBride and 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 body slamming people and breaking people's thumbs spoiler alert there's there's some of that all right <laughs> I hope you enjoy my interview with Jake anyway uh before we get into the interview though here's what's going on this week in local comedy so we're back to our usual slate of open mics starting tonight at Coffee Underground, hosted by No Expectations Comedy and Craig Holcomb, starting at 7 o'clock. Please get there a little early to sign up. Uh, after that, Habiba's Mediterranean Restaurant. I'm going to try and get Dante to make sure we do this. Um, that is going to be at 8.30, uh, most likely, uh, or 8.30, or as Coffee Underground finishes. Habiba's Mediterranean Restaurant. Um Another open mic. Tuesday, Art Bar in Columbia, hosted by Patrick Fowler. That mic starts at 8.30. Again, that's a drive, so be sure to DM Patrick Fowler if you want a spot. Um, no guarantees there. Um, I don't even... I, but I do like to mention it in case Greenville Comics want to go down there. Wednesday at the Radio Room, hosted by Adam Schulte. Show starts at 8 o'clock. It's a free show. Um, Get there early to sign up or DM Adam. Thursday, Jokes Out Loud Comedy Show, hosted by Brandon Rainwater. Um, that is in uh, yeah 8 o'clock show, $10 cover. Um, this Saturday, we have a show at The Flat, uh, hosted by Stonegrown, um, Adam Schulte. Uh, that's starting at 8 p.m., $5 cover. This uh, feature show will be... Um, David Zasloff will be performing, Chris Wilson, Amelia Nelson, and Carrie Goff coming down from Asheville. So check that show out. And our celebrity comic um, at the Comedy Zone is Brent Pella. I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Brent Pe- uh, Pella. He's a stand-up comedian from L.A. He's got a ton of funny videos online. I don't know him that well, um, but I did just watch one of his uh, uh, parody videos about how the Grinch took Molly and uh and mushrooms oh my gosh it's hysterical so if you get if you want to go out to comedy zone this coming weekend um i'm sure his stand-up's going to be hilarious so there's there's two shows on friday at seven and nine two shows on saturday at six and nine and one show on sunday at 7 p.m tickets available at greenvillecomedyzone.com all right that's it for local comedy i hope you enjoy i hope you have a great week and i hope you enjoy my interview with jake here it is Jake, what's up, dude? Mr. Baker, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic. Thanks for hopping on, man. Of course, of course. Sorry I'm a few minutes late there, honey. No, no, no worries, bro. Um, we're already recording. Okay, good deal, man. Good deal. I'm uh, uh dude, appreciate you asking me to be this is awesome. I, I've I'm been envious of what you've uh, what you've done, man. Since since you've uh, moved out of Atlanta, so it, it's uh it's really cool to kind of officially be a part of it now, dude. Yeah, and you don't have to be formal with it at all, uh, I, no. dude. I, <laughs> I I love you. I can't even remember the last time I saw you. Um, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, it, it your probably, hair was much shorter. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You look about the same. How yeah, how, how old are you? I will be uh, twenty eight in two weeks. Twenty eight. Yes, okay. sir. You can up there in the 30s. Do you know how uh, how young of an actor you can play, or how young of a character you can play? Don't act. Don't they say that? Like you could play. You could probably still play a high school. I bet. Yeah, 
Yeah, I still read for high scores a pretty good bit. Um, they give you the range. You know, that's you're never as an actor, you're never supposed to say, you know, I'm this age because then they're like, oh, well, we don't want you to play that or this. Wait, should we say, you know, should we edit that out then? We could bleep. Yeah, out yeah, cut that, cut that out there. <laughs> that's, yeah, I'm not 28, bro. I'm, I'm actually 19, but um, yeah, they give you a range, so it's and I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a pretty good range that I can still, you know, read for high schoolers. So, um, which is a good thing, I guess. Who yeah. gives you the range? Is it your agent who like puts you out there for these roles? Yeah, it's it's, it's a little bit left up to you, but um, of course, you know that that's something that they will kind of say this isn't that's not right. Like, this is a little more of what you should be in. So, um, but it's always kind of been something that I've, I've kind of determined and I, I adjust, you know, as I go, but as you said, okay. it hasn't adjusted very much. I mean, this, this doesn't change here. No facial hair coming in. But. Dude. Yeah. This is so awesome. Uh, I, um, so I, I do an intro before these episodes and I'll, I'll brag about you like crazy, but I just want to say like, I'm super pumped and, and proud of you, Thank you for, buddy. Cause I, I mean, I, I met you probably, um, I don't know, maybe 2017, which is around five years ago. And I don't know how involved in the, the acting thing you were, but to come from back then to now being, having a major part on the righteous gemstones, HBO, like the HBO with Danny McBride, John Goodman, Adam Devine. Like that is just so cool, dude. And man, it's so- it was uh, it was a dream come true, David. Yeah, yeah, as you know that. And that that's you saying that, man. In 2017, it was it was very much kind of just you know getting my feet wet in it, and and um, it was a long process for sure. But it was it was something I've never regretted doing. I think moving to Atlanta was probably the best decision I've ever made. Um, but yes, to be to be mentioned with those people is incredible in itself, man. It, it's it's nuts, and working with them was a dream. It's like they're my type of comedy, man. I think they're your type of comedy as well. And that's why oh, you and I always got along, you know? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was awesome. It was really cool. It was really so cool. going back, um, cause I moved to Atlanta in 2016. So it might've even been then, but that was around five years ago. So you're in your early twenties. Um, and I met you as a bartender. You were a bartender at big sky and, uh, one customer right here. what's that? You're my number one customer, man. Dude, I know. I, I thought of that. Like, it's not exactly flattering, like, why I, <laughs> like, I was just, you know, I, I could have been diagnosed as a clinical alcoholic, you know, just more <laughs> regular at, at Big Sky. Me and Chris Hutchinson, shout out to him. We, right. we ended up being Mr. And, uh, and yeah, so you were, um, uh, we just got to know each other through that. But um, that was when you had just started moving to it or just started getting involved in acting and just moved to Atlanta. So, I mean, you want to take me through that, like how you started acting and, and yeah, yeah, why man, you yeah. felt called so, into um, that? First off, you and I, you and I moved to Atlanta at the same time. I didn't I didn't know you were 2016 as well. So that was probably the year you and I ended up crossing paths. But, man, it was it was uh, quite the journey. And, um, you know, this is something I, I don't get to talk about very much so this is I'm, I'm glad you i'm glad you asked that but um starting out man i was you know i was 21 years old um and i was in tuscaloosa i, I just failed out of the university of alabama um and it's kind of failed man. out oh yeah oh yeah they, they they kicked me out they said you're not coming back to try this again it's not working out for you what 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 was it you just school wasn't for you it wasn't for me it never has been dude and and i hate that i really do it's that's something that i don't i don't you know take pride in um it just i just never could hone in i think it was the fact that i didn't really have direction in what i wanted to do 
Um, and that kind of made it difficult for me to really focus and, and, you know, have a intent with what, what did you try about. to major? And what did you like guess that you thought you business, want? you know, business. Was, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, like, let's that's what everybody picks. When you don't want to do. Right. Exactly, man. And, and, and even just going to Alabama in itself showed the lack of, you know, direction I had because there were so many other options out there and that was just all I knew. So it was just like, ah, oh, let's go did to Alabama. Alabama seem cool for like partying and girls and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and. And I, I didn't do the fraternity route, which um, that kind of, you know, I, I lacked on a little bit of that aspect. But that's kind of where bartending saved me. You know, that, that kind of got me out of my comfort zone, allowed me to meet people. Um, but, yeah, man, after school, I, I remained in Tuscaloosa and I was I was working a couple of jobs, um, a construction job during the day and bartending at night. And, um, man, so long story short, a buddy of mine who was working a construction job with me. This is in Atlanta, right? This was in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa first. Okay. Yeah. So this is in Tuscaloosa. And, and we're driving. Him and I grew up together in Birmingham. And uh, he was out of school at the same time. So we uh, one weekend, we're driving back to Birmingham just to go home for the weekend. And going down the interstate, we come across a car that's just spiraling, flipping. And uh, it's going probably 70 miles per hour, you know, flipping, flipping forward. So we pull over. Um, like a car accident? You know, like this, this car is flipping and... Just this car. It's just an individual, you know, no other cars involved, just this car. Fortunately, it didn't, it wasn't just spiraling into other vehicles. It was, you know, fairly clear road. So we pull over, we hop the median. Um, this woman's inside, just totally just a wreck. Um, and fortunately, she had her seatbelt on and everything and she was okay, but cut her out, you know, got her out of the, got her out of the car. Um, and then we kind of just got back to our car. We're kind of bloodied up from the glass, just like adrenaline running. And we looked at each other and we said, Let's be firefighters. Holy and that was just like, it was that kind of route of just like, we have no clue what we want to do. Like, what's the next thing that could, you know, be on our plate? Dude, that's so cool. It was, it was, it was, it was a cool moment. It was something I'll never forget. You know, so him you, and I growing so up together. It was cool. So you decided that moment because of that woman, like saving a woman's life, essentially, or, you know, potentially. Right. You want yeah, to be man, that's, that's exactly what it was. And if, if you knew the Barrett Gossett, I gave, gave him a shout out as well. If, if, you knew the type of person he was. That was just very us, you know, like I'm, I'm talking, we go going to lunch in high school and he would just look at me and say, Hey, like, I think I'm going to be a weatherman. It's like that type of stuff. We just never knew what we wanted to do. Uh -huh. um, so it made sense for us in that moment to kind of just look at each other and be like, you know, we could do this for a little, let's, let's be firefighters. Okay. So for the next couple of months, we pursued that and um, we were in school for it. We were, you know, um, running the obstacle courses, doing all this training and whatnot. And then um, it came down to the drug test. And neither of us were prepared for that. So that it was the came down to what? Party. The drug test? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, man, that was something, of course, we were aware of. Like, hey, this is here. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's plan for this. Let's, let's lay off, lay off the green for a while. And we did. And then it got to about a week before. And it's kind of the same situation, but the opposite. We just kind of looked at each other and we were like, do we really want to do this for the rest of our lives? Right. And uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't. So, so we, uh, we talked up that night and uh, I just remember calling my dad the next day and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be a firefighter. Yeah. I've never heard him so relieved. I've never heard him so relieved is when I told him that. So he thought um, that was a mistake. <laughs> he thought that was a huge mistake. Yeah. 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 But I mean, opposite of that, I've never heard him so angry as when I told him I wanted to be an actor about six months after that. So yeah, man, life journey. Right. But um, yeah, to get to that, man, I ended up doing some featured extra work on a football film. 
And as soon as I got to set, I was out there for about two and a half months. How did you I get that, by the way? How did you hear about that? So I was in Tuscaloosa, man, and I, I was um, I was just hanging out with my cousin and his girlfriend. And his girlfriend kind of knew the situation I was in, and she understood my, my sports past, and she just recommended. She said, hey, I'm, I'm, they're filming this movie in Birmingham, and they're looking for football players. Um, and it paid better than anything I was doing at the time. So I figured, why not? You know, and, and I think it's pretty cool that my first film experience was in Birmingham, my hometown. I've always thought that was, you know, something that was kind of special to me um, and maybe part of the reason why I kind of fell in love with it. But um, the lead actor in that film, a film was called Woodlawn. Lead actor was a guy named Caleb Castile, who was also from Birmingham. And he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. And then Caleb, you know, him and I would watch in his trailer. We'd watch for Alabama football games, you know, during filming and whatnot. And it was just such a cool experience. And I just fell in love with the whole thing. That's a great movie, Woodlawn. Yeah, it's a good one, man. It's I, I want to really make sure movie. I'm thinking of the right thing. I'm pulling it up on my phone right now. Yeah, it was kind of a Christian-based football film. But it, uh, yes. The action, the football was phenomenal. The football was phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that was that was 21-year-old me running around playing uh, the high school high school football player. Can so. you pick yourself out in that movie? Yeah. As, yeah, as there's a couple, couple of moments. And it's so funny, man, back big deal being like oh there he is and then now it's just like i just you know striving for so much more it's just really funny but yeah yeah man yeah, yeah that, was, that was a good experience here. But i fell in love with it and that's so you I fell in love with it being like, on set and seeing uh, like just how movies are made it's being a part of yeah, it yeah absolutely the whole process man i, I loved i love film growing up and I, I feel like you know you've been an entertainer i feel like you're you know you, you had something that you knew you loved but you weren't really like considering it as an option you know, a career choice. It just, you knew you had a love for it and a passion for it. But as soon as you really think about it and take a step back and say, hey, maybe I can do this, things kind of change in your mind. So, and that's exactly what happened. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I feel similarly. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm even, you know, newer to any of this than, than you are to acting, like to stand up or anything else. But yeah, I, I do feel similarly in terms of um, loving something for its own sake you know yeah consuming the content or just being around it um you know uh like the, the television show seinfeld i worshipped since elementary oh, yeah. school really oh yeah and just quoting funny movies or quoting funny things or being around movies i actually love movies as well like like i think you do and and uh you, you don't really think of it as a as a job um no and you, you kind no. of are even it's nervous weird. to say that out loud i mean did, did you feel nervous even saying that out loud, like, uh, hey, Jake, I want to be an actor. Does that, that does that absolutely? Do you feel insecure and, that, and silly that, about even admitting that to the world? Hundred percent, man. And that that was a hard thing to do. Even in the year, my first couple of years here, it was it was really challenging to you know say that to people. And and probably, man, when you and I met, especially because I was so young when I was here, it was always like I'm an aspiring actor. You know, and you hear that so often from people who are really chasing it and pursuing it full time. You're an actor, you know, and, and I don't yeah, what level. Hey, who knows? You know, maybe you've done a couple student films. Um, maybe you're a lead in a feature, you know, and obviously that would qualify you as an actor. But regardless, that's just something you got to wear. You know, if it's something you want to do, then you need to own it and, and not, you know, kind of beat around the bush with it. So that's why I applaud you, man, because you have you have fully kind of just dove into this world and now you're, you're, you're doing it. And I'm, I'm so proud of you for that. I think that's incredible, man. I think that's oh, I, incredible. I, I appreciate it, man. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think, 
it it takes a lot for anybody to take that first step because you're going to be bad at anything when you start something. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I I th- I think you know I think it is a is a good signal too. Like if you are nervous and have a ton of anxiety about admitting it, it it might. Um, to me, that's kind of a signal that it's a real desire and it's something that you really should be doing. Like you take it seriously. Um, cause there are people who, who love to tell people they're actors, you know, right. or who, who, right. who are, who love to say they do stand up, And, and the reason yeah. they love it is because they want to put a picture up on Facebook and, and they want, right. And that's not really how I feel. Like I, 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 I don't like the self promotion. Like you get a lot of anxiety about, about mm-hmm. that kind of thing, but like, to me the real part of it is like the actual doing of it and are you working at it and are you actually um taking it seriously um i agree and then eventually the anxiety starts to get less and less i think yes um yeah absolutely you start to own it a little bit i think you and i have the same we get the same feeling from when we do perform it's very self-fulfilling and that's you know that's that's something that i think you know i I don't want to speak for you at all but that's something i was chasing for a long time and i didn't know where i was going to find it and, you know, fortunately, I, I was able to find it in acting. And that's been that's been a really cool discovery for me. Over the so, years. so when you discovered that you loved it, I mean, did it just kind of uh, fall into place in terms of like you, it sounds like in school, it was probably hard for you to focus and, and just dial in and, and really work hard at it because it's like, I don't give a shit about school. This isn't my thing. But with acting, right. do you find yourself like I can commit everything into acting, like the work ethic, the the, the habits you have to develop, Absolutely. the talent? Even so much to the point that I'm back in school, David. I'm back in school. So I'm, I'm now at SCAD um, in the film and television program. And it's it's crazy the difference because I know what I want to do. And it's just like, yeah, like I, I want to be here, you know? And that's that's a totally, that's a cool feeling for me because I never experienced that with school. Yeah. I had so many friends who were just so intelligent and they were just knocking out these grades and just killing it. And they had a you know a real work ethic in school. And I just never had that. And now I, I feel like I really do. Um, but Yes, that's something I, I really enjoy is the work, the work of the actor and then um, building characters and, and just reading scripts to understand where writers are coming from. Um, and, you know, why is this character here? You know, what does this scene mean? I really enjoy that part of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So how's SCAD Absolutely. going? So are, how, what year are you at SCAD? So I just started. Yeah, I just started, man. So it's, it's going to be interesting trying to, you know, um, work around auditions and, and hopefully start booking more. Um but they're pretty Dude, you've got to walk in there with like, you know, puffed out chest and, and a little swagger. Like I'm pretty sure I'm the oldest one in all my classes. Oh, who gives you look 22. So who cares? <laughs> yeah, they don't have to know that. They don't have to know that. Like you might have recognized <laughs> me, you know, righteous gemstone. <laughs> no, season nobody three, does. Nobody season does. Three David, bitches. it's the coolest thing in the world, man. Nobody does. I love that. I love that though. Like I, I was, I was, um, I was out the other night with, uh, with a friend and, and she had some college friends over and um, and we're sitting there and we're all just drinking about, you know, about to go out. But we're just hanging out and they're just talking about shows they've been watching. And um, one of them brought up, they're like, have you all seen the new new season of Righteous Gemstones? And they were all like, yeah, like it's kick ass. Like, I'm just like loving it. And I was just like, of course. And they saw me for five minutes. None of these people know who I am. Did like, you, did you tell them? You know, did you tell them you were in it or no? I did not. I, I, I love that. The fact that they had no clue I was. So I didn't. Sam, who hosted the party, overheard the conversation. She, of course, was just like, oh, Jay, Jay, you were in Russia Gemstones. And then That's they were like, great. 
character did you play? And you're like, you had to look it up to confirm it and everything. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it's it nice you didn't have to be the one to tell him that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, man. I, I think that's um that's something that I, I thought was really cool. You know, that people can watch it and the next day they're not going to recognize me, man. But, but yeah. they enjoyed it. That's that's all that matters for sure. Yeah. So take me back to like you, you mentioned something earlier about how you told your dad that you wanted to be an actor and that he like flipped out and thought that was a bad idea. Yeah. Well, my, my dad, man, he's he's the best in the world, literally the best dude in the world. And I, I could take that back to my childhood and just things he did that I probably didn't recognize um, at the time of how good of deeds they were. Um, but kind of growing up to become my own man, I understand now like some of the sacrifices he made. Um, but just to touch on that before I, before I bash on for killing his son for career decisions. <laughs> yeah. He, um, the first thing he said, um, and in fact, it was my sister who told him, you know, Jake, Jake's going to be an actor. Cause I was, I was terrified to tell him, like, that's just, you know, you're terrified to tell him. And he said verbatim to her, I wish I could be an actor or something like that. Kind of like a smart ass comment. Like, yeah, like I want to be an actor too. Like. <laughs> oh, like, like i want to be an astronaut that'd be great yes exactly precisely that that's a great example like yeah you know like basically looking at me like i'm a child which i was man 22 years old i, I was a, uh, I was kind of shooting for the stars but it's something that i was truly passionate about and i understood why people did not necessarily believe that at the time um because i had been you know in so many different directions to that point so i got it i, I understood it just it was something for me it was kind of like hey like let's prove this to myself first and then let's, you know, kind of show, show them what, you know, you actually do love and you're passionate about this. And you have serious. a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, I did. And I think David, actually, I, I want to say, um, you actually commented on this and you and I spoke about whole world improv. That was really the first time that my parents were able to come and, and watch me do what I love. So that was a special night for me, man. And, and, um, James Mack had a couple of the guys come out and that was really cool for me. Uh, some of both my partners came, um, yeah. but it was, that was a special night for me, man. They came over to Atlanta and, and it was to the point where I was, I, I could hear my dad laughing in the audience during the show and it was a packed house too. So, I mean, it was, it was a really, really special night for me. And I, I think he, at that point, and that was just a few years ago, that was probably 2019. I think that was when he really understood like okay you know maybe this is something that you know he, he could do for the rest of his life yeah so that was a cool that was a cool moment for me that's awesome yeah james mack i'm trying to get him to try stand up me and you both man but you're you're gonna be the guy who has to do it because you you've been on the stage man what well, <laughs> he's just he's gonna be the guy that has to do it uh <laughs> true very true very got, true if he ever if he if he ever watch if he watches this it's called a pussy i mean like I don't know, but <laughs> we can't call him a pussy until he gets up there, James. <laughs> I know he will, man. I know he will. And I know he's seeing what you're doing and he's like, he's envious of that. James is, he's, he's not the type of dude to just sit by the wayside. He's got to get up there, man. Cause yeah. I think he would love it. I think he would love it. It takes a lot for uh, anybody to get on stage the first time. I think I, I had to like hit a bottom in several ways before I was like actually going to do it. Procrastination is real easy when it comes to something like that. Yeah. Cause you, you dread the idea of it and, uh, and you're going to be horrible when you start. So it's like, man, what I do is a collaboration, David. It's a collaboration between a bunch of people that you're kind of trusting and, and you're, you're in the same mindset with what you do. I, I applaud, I applaud because it's, it's essentially, it's a one man act. It is a yeah. one man act. It's equivalent to me getting up on a stage and having an entire stage production just by myself. And that is terrifying to me. So yeah. 
Well, see, I don't do improv, so that that's scary to me. So I, I wasn't aware of how much you did improv. So so your improv stuff, you, are you regularly participating in that and performing improv um, in Atlanta? That was something I did um, for probably about a 12-month uh, period before COVID hit, and I have not gotten back into it since COVID, but I miss it. I miss it, dude. I, I still regularly go up to some of their shows because um, they still have shows on the weekends. Uh, okay. Thursday through Saturday, whole world. And they're fantastic, man. The talent up there is just they're hilarious yeah um, so, so it's, it's, it's Atlanta, comedy improv yeah my so my understanding of improv and i haven't been to a ton of shows but second city in chicago is one i like I, i'm aware of that and then yeah. uh, the other thing i think of is the office episode where michael scott goes to his improv class i don't know if you've seen oh, yeah. that one and he's just yeah, a disaster yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah with michael scott <laughs> he, he introduces a gun to every scenario yep. and just fucks up every scene yeah um but yeah, like take me through your improv experience. How did that help you develop as like an actor? And and do you love like live acting as well as, um, I guess acting for screen? I do, man. It's that's something that um that that's grown on me because when I first moved here, you know, just being so obsessed with cinema and and, and film, it was like oh, I'll never do a stage production. You know, I'll never do theater. Um, now I I look at actors who have done theater and I I look at them as well trained, well trained actors. That's how I consider that and. You know, that's something that I lack on my resume. So it's, it's something I definitely want to do, um, you know, and then something I need to start looking into. Obviously, it's not huge in Atlanta, um, but it's, you know, it's definitely here. So um, Whole World was that kind of first opportunity for me to get on a stage and do a live performance. And it's, it's, it's a rush, man. It is such a rush. And you kind of feed off those nerves. I know that's something you can relate to. You just got to feed off those nerves. Understand they're going to be there accept them and then just go with the flow dude I, I can relate but believe it or not improv sounds way more horrifying to me than stand up because i because i because I, I know stand up now but but right. i kind of know what i'm going to say ahead of time yeah but like pure improv is improvisation even though you have your scene partners to work off of right. and you know like well they can help save me if it's going if it's going a wrong but like dude you're you're off totally like on a limb yeah. and, and that that scares me maybe because like i've never never done it have but. you ever been to an improv show um yes i have been to a few um okay. they have improv here there's a little real small theater downtown greenville where they do improv shows mm -hmm. as well as stand up um but, so uh, but same, yeah. same thought. the reason why i asked that and I, I imagine you probably do have a couple there in greenville but the reason why i asked that was because i, I kind of had the same thought before i started going to the shows and once i was going to the shows it wasn't like oh this is something i can you know definitely do it was just like you know if they're up there doing this like i want to give it a try and I'm, I'm i'm a big you know advocate of overcoming fears in this in this industry and that's yes actors all the time they talk about like i want to do something that scares me that's such a real thing that is such a real thing it challenges you it, it brings the best out of you and I think that's what I got with improv. And it, it, it's something that I've, I've taken with all my scene work, um, you know, and, and anytime I'm on camera, I try to make it my own. And improv gave me the confidence to do that. Sure. Um, so it's been it's been really good for me. Yeah. Doing what scares you, I think, is uh, um, I think that's a that's a good uh, uh, instinct to follow, yeah. not just for art, but for anything in life. Um but uh, with, with stand-up comedy, for sure, I feel that uh, because you um, the act is scary when you first are working out any new idea. But then if you find several ideas that are working and you have them well-structured, 
the safe thing to do would be to continue to perform a version of that. Right. But you have to continue to force yourself to try new stuff and risk failure. Like, unless you're staying, like if you're, if you're just always playing it safe, doing the same, you'll, you're not going to improve. You should yeah, try absolutely. the crazy shit. You're really scared to try and then just say, screw it. Or, or like go to a room that scares you, like um, go to an all black room, you know, where there's all black audiences, like totally different vibe and energy right. versus, right. you know, maybe predominantly white audience or, mm -hmm. or just a, a general room or, or do a mic where there's like five people and they're looking at you like, who the fuck, like, what, yeah. what is this? <laughs> like, just put yourself in every scenario. Right. Right. And, and go but at the terrible. fear. Don't don't run away from it because it'll that's that's where you get better. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, get out of that comfort zone for sure. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do, man. It's, it's a hard thing to do. And I think, you know, that, that was for the first few years here. That was such a thing that I like. That was my excuse was I'm, I'm, I'm fear failure. Like, I'm, I'm afraid I will dive so deep into this and it's not going to work out. And that was what I like was really scared of. But that's something I also tell people now is and as long as you are doing everything in your power to, you know, go chase something, then you're not going to fail. You, know? Did you ever think and about quitting? I still think about quitting. I still <laughs> think about quitting. I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's always, you know, it's, it's, it's a stressful life. It really is. It's, you know, it's something that I'm going to look back on hopefully soon and laugh at, but it's just, even after gym songs, it's just like, what's next, you know? And that's, that's like the crazy part about this industry is it's always what's next. You know, yeah. and, and I understand people have watched the show and when they do it, they're always like, oh, that was incredible. Like, that was so cool seeing you in that. What are you working on now? And it's just like, sometimes you don't have an answer for that, you know? Right. So, um, but fortunately, I, I've, I came across uh, two guys a few years ago, uh, Maverick Diamante and Harrison Chandler, who are my business partners. We own a video production company. Um, What's the name of it? Steel the Sun Studios. Steal the Sun. Yeah, S-T-E-A-L. So we, uh, we're a development studio. So essentially we develop uh, series, feature films, and we attempt to sell them to networks, um, streaming services and whatnot. And I'm in love with that aspect of it. And that's actually what got me into school. And I, I, it's got me thinking about the other side of the camera, the directing, the producing, the writing. Um, so that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to run with and, and pursue all avenues versus just that tunnel vision actor, which I applaud people for doing, man. Cause it's, it's tough. It's really yeah. tough. What's well, so cool that like in 2022, you have the ability to do that. Like you don't have to be at the mercy of waiting for the phone to ring. You can develop yourself as a producer. Like, I don't know all the words you're supposed to say, but producer, director, production mm -hmm. company. Yeah. Like you can create a lot of that stuff. And, and just get started. Like you don't have to wait for somebody to give you, give you work. You can create. Absolutely. Work. Man. And that's, that's something, I mean, we, we started this in uh, 2018. Um, and I mean, our films, it's just, they were just terrible, man. Just <laughs> shitty films. You know, something <laughs> we're so excited about, Hey, I can't wait to see this. And then we see it and we're like, no one will ever see this. Like this, <laughs> this, this will never be seen again. Um, but it's that's it, great it, though, dude, you saw my shitty things I made during the pandemic or the old ones. Or like, I love this stuff, but you always make me laugh, but you see the improvement and yeah. yeah, I saw the improvement in your stuff. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. And that's, yeah, you that's start anything you badly, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm sure yours weren't, you know, as bad as you're saying, but, the, but also yeah. you, you can take it to such a better level. So right. you have to fail, man. You have to fail. That is, that's the only way to grow. And it's, it's, it's a tough thing to accept, but you just have to, you have to try, you have to fail and then, you know, figure out where you messed up, where you fucked up and make changes. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of it.
do you uh do you enjoy writing i do it's um famous thing with writing is um i hate writing but i love to have written yes and that is so true man uh it's so true it's it's so fulfilling when you finish something but during the writing process it is just a son of a bitch i mean yeah. it's, it's just hard man it's it's, it's uh, very time consuming but you know what i really enjoy is the research aspect of writing you know, I, I love looking into stuff that I'm, I'm interested in, but kind of unfamiliar with. Right. And really just diving into, you know, what I maybe want to write about. I love that. So, so give me an example. Like, so if you're writing a, a character and this character mm -hmm. has a job. Right. Let's say he's like an accountant or something. If you really want to make that character come to life, you have to know mm -hmm. everything about even if something Absolutely. as boring as that. Like, what is it like? Meaning? Like, Absolutely. which company is it? What does he like? Something, man, let's use, we can use a personal example. Like if I was writing about a comedian, you know, a stand-up comedian that, that I love the aspect of just look, reading books on comedians. Hey, David, you have a time, you know, you and I can speak about, you know, what kind of struggles you may go through, yeah. um, what you love about this and just really getting in the mind of a comedian. You know what I mean? And then sure. understanding their perspective in order to be able to write accurately about, you know, their life. Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoy that, man. I really do. It, it's, it's interesting to me and, informative you know that's that's kind of been my education through this yeah yeah absolutely um have you written any scripts yeah yeah so um i've, I've got a, um i had a short film called perception it was a, a story that was pretty close to me um kind of in ways about my family who i love very much um but what did it, it do about your family so it was, uh, it was, it's kind of based on my family. Um, so perception is a story about, um, a, a daughter and she's kind of teaching her mom to, to be more, you know, open-minded, um, in terms of, you know, how she views the world. How does the mom view the world? She's not overly pleased with her daughter dating a black guy, you know? And okay. Yeah. So it, and, um, and, and my family is, is incredibly open to that now. And it, that's been really cool to see. Mm -hmm. you know and and um it was a learning curve for sure and that's just you know the times you know and um it's it's been cool to see but that was something i wrote about and it was personal to me um and i think they really enjoyed the film also you know mm -hmm. my family really enjoyed it and, and um it got accepted to a couple festivals um around the country so that was that was really cool for us and special for us um but yeah man as, as far as like I've, I've developed a couple of uh concepts for tv series Mm -hmm. You know, and they're, they're ones that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about. And I think they have legs in my mind always. Um, but yeah, putting pen to paper is just a different beast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share anything about that or no? What's that? The, uh, the, the, the ideas for those series? Yeah, man. Um, a couple of them I cannot because they are actually, a lot of them are my partner's ideas that are like literally in development stages. Yeah, but totally. And please... One, this is just me being curious. So if, if there's any, absolutely, man, no, any no, issue, one, one no I'm really excited about, and I think this is probably something you're familiar with, with my past, I have a bit of a gambling addiction. I love me some sports gambling, man. So, um, that was something I developed in Tuscaloosa at Alabama and being really familiar with the whole process of underground gambling. That's something that you really, as filmmakers, that's something you strive to do is to introduce uh, a world that hasn't been seen on camera before. Um, for example, Yellowstone is huge right now. Yellowstone, yeah. of course, you know, Westerns would not have been made, but Yellowstone is very specific and that's a world that hasn't been seen. And Taylor Sheridan, the writer of that, does such a good job of creating that world yep. and throwing you in it. Um, and 
you can think of any example of your favorite show, of your favorite movie, and they're just worlds that, you know, have not been discovered before. And, and that's how I feel about the underground bookmaking, the underground gambling. It hasn't been done. Yeah. You know, you've seen plenty of movies that take place in casinos, but where's the gritty stuff where, you know, people are getting their legs beaten in? Because yeah. They, you know, the college kids can't pay a bookie. Right. Um, and that's something I'm, I'm really kind of diving into right now. And um, I'm studying a couple different shows to kind of mend some gaps in the story. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, my working title is the bookmaker. The bookmaker. So think of it as a breaking bad. Okay. Very, you know, family type guy. You know, he's down to earth, kind of struggling to get through the day to day. And then he discovers this, you know, different side of himself that, you know, really kind of takes off and takes over. And then um for good better or that, for worse yeah yeah that's a really compelling story arc uh breaking bad is probably my favorite show of all time um, I figured you'd probably seen that one. what's that i figured you'd probably seen that one so that was a good reference there yeah breaking bad was fantastic man right but you know the arc of uh walter white mm-hmm. um kind of having a boring conventional life uh and being very very much dead inside until he gets a you know the terminal uh, illness diagnosis um and then he becomes alive by becoming a drug kingpin mm-hmm. um maybe like your character gambling but there's also a real darkness and danger right to right. that exploration but he also feeds off of it but he also you know I mean? that's what that's the energy that's what he gets that energy from and i, I think right. that's why that show is such a good comparison for it. yeah and the, the tension uh is uh yeah it's really fascinating to watch play out. Yeah, man. Um, David, that's something, man. There was um, a documentary that recently released on Netflix. It was a docuseries called Bad Sport. And Bad, Bad Sport. Sport. Yes. Um, go check out the first episode. If, if you love it enough, keep, keep watching them because they all are very interesting. But the first episode really kind of dives into the illegal gambling world. And, and it'll give you a great idea of kind of where – um, I'll be coming from in that perspective, but it is fascinating. Okay. So, so illegal gambling, like uh, on, on what types of events, like sports, anything like in a state where it's illegal, it has to take a certain form to be done. So this is just cash-based gambling, right? Yeah. Completely non-regulated. Right. Correct. Okay. Correct. And, um, it's interesting, man. And another thing I've enjoyed researching, um, and, you see, you read about people getting busted for it, and it's so interesting. Um, there was a kid who got busted, a college student who got busted in Virginia, I believe. Um, and he didn't have a huge book. I believe when they busted him, you know, of course, it's a good amount of money. He had $20,000 on him. Um, but it was the details of his book. Brian Erlacher's brother, who was the sheriff of the town, was, you know, a part of his, part of his book. Oh, I'm sorry, he was the mayor of the town. He's the mayor of the town and he's involved in this college student's illegal book. And it's just uh-huh. like, it's just so crazy, man. All the, all these different aspects of, you know, wh- who can be involved, how involved are they? You yeah. Know? That's something that I've always found so interesting about gambling, illegal gambling specifically, but yeah, it, it's a world that I'm, I'm my it's, gambling. It's like, uh, this is, this is not an accurate or direct comparison, but it reminds me of uh, Epstein's Island. And like, oh, yeah. who, who was on the flight logs? Right. Planes? Like this politician was there. Exactly. This politician was exactly. There? Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Look at these dark secrets. Yeah. I'm not comparing yeah. pedophilia to gambling, but. <laughs> In ways, they definitely have their negative. Dark, 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 yeah, they, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of the the only thing I'm going to take out of this is my gambling. I'm potentially going to write a series out of it, so that'll be a positive uh, or a negative. I turn into a positive, hopefully. But yeah, man, it's it's cool now because you know back in the day it was something that you don't want to talk about. You don't want to talk about the fact that you gamble. But now you see it everywhere. You know, ESPN. They're, they're yeah, about lines. So Dude, it's, it's getting like it's so mainstream. Now. It is. It's, it's crazy. crazy. It is. Um. So would this be set in a mm-hmm. like two decades ago time when gambling was less socially acceptable, or would it be set kind of current? You know, it's funny you ask that because this is something that filmmakers from you know all over talk about. Because nowadays, if you have a present day movie, you better have half the people doing this the whole time yeah right so it's kind of funny you ask that because of course you know for the aspect of why or when it was so big illegal gambling it would be based closer to about 10 years ago okay um but that's just funny you ask that because my partners and i were talking about that recently man it's just like anything you make today like you better have phones involved otherwise it's not that accurate um yeah but that just made me think of that it's amazing how many plots like would be like they just wouldn't exist if smartphones had existed at the time they were written right like ba- like basically every seinfeld episode just wouldn't have happened because they're like yeah, yeah i would have just texted him <laughs> yeah i would have given you a call but yeah, yeah exactly man. exactly <laughs> yeah. it's no there's no yeah there's no conflict anymore because no. the phone fixed it absolutely absolutely <laughs> which to me is boring i, I kind of there's i have I a little i have a little nostalgia for the stories of I, yeah. I mean dude i don't know if you feel this way i guess just general question about films that you see or, or and i don't want to be all like totally overly cynical because there are good things coming out but i feel like there's fewer movies now maybe some of this is due to the pandemic but fewer movies that I like want to go see, or I'm super excited about like all the movies that I love feel like, you know, they're definitely in the rear view, like 10, 20 years. Right. And like a good comedy I haven't seen in a while. Um, I mean, there's good stand up I see yeah. from individuals, but in terms of like movies, um, you know, it's sad, man. It's, it's really sad. I, I mean, I feel the same way. Like and the quality is maybe a little bit lower either. for some reason. I don't know what it is. It's painful, man. It's 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 really sad. These movies can release, and um, you know, and and sometimes you don't even hear about the fact that they're released. You don't know what they are, you know, until you know after they're released. And um, it, it wasn't always like that. I'm 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 glad that we grew up and we were able to kind of, you know, see when the box office was at its peak, and then it meant so much. And that was mm-hmm. the first thing people were waking up and checking in the morning was the box office and who's doing what, um, what movies doing well. But now it's just like, man, like uh, I think it's it's in ways it's it's bad, but it's also it feels like more of an art now, you know, and then people making making art for themselves, their own uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then being and being satisfied with that. They don't need, you know, the crazy dollar signs in order to, you know, feel feel fulfilled with that. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that they were able to make their work and, and get it out to whoever may view it, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether the audience be little or small. But that is crazy, man, because, you know, growing up that going to the theaters was such a huge part of our lives. Like, yeah. That was, that was it, man. That was, that was, I got my first kiss in a movie theater. You know? <laughs> like, what movie was crazy. it? Oh man. Firewall, possibly. Firewall. Firewall. Yeah, man. I, I believe it was a Harrison Ford firewall, which was a really good movie. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. Was it, was it like a pack? Yeah, oh yeah. Done, or was it like you guys were making out for two hours? It was a pack and done. I, was, <laughs> I love. I was it. a pack and done guy, man. I was a pack and done guy. Yeah, <laughs> respectable. Yeah, but, yeah, man. It was. It's just. It's. It's crazy. I. I still enjoy it, and I'll. I'll go. 
um, every now and then. I enjoy going to movies by myself. That's something I just like, I enjoy doing. I, that's not, not something I have a problem with doing, but I, it just like, it's still an escape for me every now and then. Um, my brother is the biggest movie lover I know. So him and I, we, we met up over Christmas and um, went and saw Spider-Man together. I think that was the last one I've, I've been yeah. before. But God, that was a good movie. But yeah. Yeah, that was definitely. Just a different experience now, man, you know? Mm-hmm. About twice um, a year, too. Did you see the new Matrix movie? I did. Yeah? Did you like it? I, I, I can't understand why people were surprised that they made a modern-day version of it. but I liked it, dude. I did, too. I did, I too. Did. <laughs> I did, too, man. People were like, oh, just 2021. Well, that was the year it was made, so don't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I mean, the plot was hard for me to follow. It, it was kind of complicated. I was like, wait. Was this all a video game or um, <laughs> right, did, did, right. Did, did all of this happen? And uh, but I don't know. I was just excited to see the characters back. And uh, I don't know. It's the Matrix. It was cool. That's, that's I was the thing. Like, this me, is man. sweet. <laughs> it's, if you bring back a world that that was so loved, you know, years and years and years ago, it's going to be hard for me not to like it. And I, I feel the same way, like just seeing those characters together and, and them bringing them to life again. Like that's. That's what I love about it, man. It's 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 all about the world for me. And, and I actually thought it was good. I mean, I didn't, I didn't yeah, think I did it too. Was... I too. I mean, Keanu Reeves' action is, you know, come on. I mean, the first yeah, Matrix was so revolutionary in terms of the story it was telling and how cool and symbolic and right. Uh, I don't know. There there was like some some really like breakthrough symbolism of what they were doing. I mean, you can't recapture the novelty of that in this right. other one. So yeah. I don't know what people were expecting, but I, I actually liked that. And I thought I was kind of in the minority there with everybody hating on. Yeah, it. same, man. So let me ask you, that's got me got me thinking now. And this is something I've, I've talked about recently. What if there was one movie um, series or movie that you would you could bring back and have remade, you know, whether it be the same actors or not, depending on the film, of course. But it's a tough question, man, because they're like you said, the 90s, the 80s, the movies were so good. They were so good. <sighs> Um, I'm tempted to say Seinfeld. Okay. Okay. But, it, but I, uh, you kind of can't do that. Like, I, I wish they could still be like in their, like, I wish they just didn't age. Like, I wish they were just right. like, right. 30 to 40 somethings forever responding yeah. to, cause they really captured lightning in a bottle. I think, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the chemistry of those characters. Right. And, uh, the stories were so. Like it was commenting on on like the gray areas of life that people don't talk about and then like exploiting these issues. And you kind of see that with Curb. You get modern day, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, with Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I, I think I thought it would be cool to see how the Seinfeld cast would respond today to all of those different things. Um, David, I think that's really cool, man, that you can link kind of your inspiration for for what you're chasing and what, what you moved out there for and to a show like that, that you can look at something <laughs> that had such a big influence on why I am now a stand up comedian. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. Well, part of that was uh, part of it was that there was real joy mm-hmm. in Seinfeld. Part of it. Well, you know, the name of this thing. Uh, I did this yeah. instead of killing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't ever literally suicidal, but I was miserable not expressing myself creatively. This is like the last thing I could think of. And stand up was like the most pure form of that. Dude, I love I love the title of this show because I think that is that's, that's about as honest as you can get, man. I think that's that's cool. You know what it's, I mean? Like even it's if like you tried everything else, you know? Yeah, man. You know, like 
<laughs> I think I think that's cool. That's it's that's straightforward. You know, your audience knows what they're getting off the bat. I dig that, dude. I dig that. Yeah, I, well, I didn't are. I didn't think about it all like that when I first named or thought of the name with a friend of mine. We were writing it down, but uh, mm -hmm. I I kind of think, and I don't know. I wonder if you feel the same way. Um, if you're a creative person and you're not being creative, like there's nothing more miserable than that. It's like you. It's like you're covering up a a plant from growing or something. You're just like 100%. suffocating yourself. Absolutely. Um, and it's a miserable feeling. Yeah. hundred percent. So life's not that worth living. If you're a creative person, not being that you'll just wither away. Man, <laughs> so, I, think, I think creatives are, they're, they're funny people, man. We are because weird as know, hell, dude, we are hundred percent in, in our own ways, but it's, it's exactly what you just said. And then it's also the other aspect where, where maybe you are creating and you're being super productive in your field and what you're chasing. And, and then it's just like, you know, is this enough? Is this fulfilling the ultimate goal of, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing here? And it's just like, it's such a, a wrestle all the time. Exactly. You know what example I think of when you say that like that is, is Dave Chappelle. Um, mm. Do you know the story of so Chappelle show you've seen? Like that's what made him famous. The sketch comedy right. show. Mm hmm. It was so wildly successful and that was him doing his creative thing. I mean, he was yeah. a brilliant comic slash sketch writer. Everybody loved it. It got so successful and reached like this critical mass of like to where I think Comedy Central was going to pay him $50 million for the next season of it. And all of a sudden, Chappelle, for whatever reason, I think it was because the corporate executives were starting to put pressure on like, this is what mm -hmm. we want you to do. And he said, F it. After fifty million dollars, I'm going to Africa. And he just went. I love and, him. Like that's something a creative person would do. Like they'll they'll yeah, they'll go yeah. against what you want them to do just because. A hundred percent. And you yeah. know, if it becomes more about business and like not why you loved it in the first place, it, it's it loses yeah. the the shine of why you why you loved it. And I think that's something we fear too, you know, and, and you run away from that. And that maybe that was what happened. You know, he, he saw it going that route and he just, he went to the you know opposite side of the world and said, let me get away from this for a little bit. Yeah. So I can come back and then and feel re-energized. And I, I get that way too, man. I'm, I'm sure you do as well. It's just, sometimes you just, you know, even though it's what we love and what we have a passion for, sometimes you just need a break from it. Yeah. Um, you know, cause that's not, you know, all who we are. Right. You know, there's different aspects of us that, you know, we don't necessarily get to show all the time. But, you know, that's that's I, I dig that from him. And nobody yeah. is able to make comebacks the way he is after yeah. just totally screwing something up or doing whatever the hell he wants to do. For sure. So many people would just be like, ah, well, he'll never work again. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You're forgiven. I yeah. like resurrection stories of people that Same. whether they get canceled or just have some kind of catastrophe happen, then mm -hmm. you see him come back or they go from obscurity to like really big time roles um yeah. in acting um like louis ck is my favorite comedian or one of them mm -hmm. and he obviously got got in trouble for whacking yeah. in front of girls and not not cool <laughs> not cool with that but not cool i hate him laughing at that i hate him laughing at that i'm actually laughing at the fact that peacemaker referenced it in their uh their show the other day i don't know if you've seen peacemaker on hbo but i haven't check it out man i think you'll get a kick out of it it's it's pretty funny Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, reference, they reference him. So I thought that was, that was funny. You said that. I do love when they bounce back though, you know, um, okay, the, the part of me selfishly was like, dude, his standup's going to be so much better now. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. When, when people, when people hit bottom, <laughs> dude, their art gets better. It's, right. it's great.
Who wants to hear what a successful person has to say? Like, exactly. I want to. I want a dumpster fire, dude. Exactly, man. <laughs> so yeah, I would say he put himself in quite the dumpster fire scenario. For he sure. did. He did. <laughs> um, what's your biggest dumpster fire story? We talk about that on this show sometimes. Oh man, you think of any? Um, man, what? I um, I don't know if this, this will qualify, but this is this is something that scarred me forever, and I think this was one of the first times I was like, okay, like this if this is as bad as it gets like it, it can only be up from here but um probably in 2017 um soon after you and i had met i was i was doing a lot of reading for a lot of student films you know you go get your own auditions and, and uh, these scab these emory georgia tech student projects and um a scad student i'd read for um he he booked me the part and it was he booked me the day of um and that was like you know, it was a huge deal for me. You book anything. It's just like, yeah, I booked, you know, like I'm an actor. Um, and he gave me details. Um, he sent me the script when I was at work serving, serving at a restaurant at lunch one day. And he sends me the script. So I'm like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll give it a look uh, later and uh, on the way. And it's, it was just a rehearsal that he was calling me to that night. Uh-huh. So after, uh, after I finished working, I hop on a Marta and I'm heading down towards SCAD to where this rehearsal is. So on the Marta, um, I'm reading through the script and I'm running pretty late. And he's like kind of rushing me, but I'm like, there's nothing I can do. You cast me today. I'm coming from work type deal. Uh Um, It's pouring down rain, David. And I'm reading this script and I get off the Marta station and I realize I'm about a mile and a half from SCAD. And it is like just downpouring. (laughs) So I hop on an Uber or on like a scooter, one of the, what are the, the bird birds? Yeah. Bird, and I am just cruising on this bird and the just pouring rain and I'm obviously soaking wet. So I get to SCAD and I run inside. I'm just soaked. And the lady at the front desk kind of gives me trouble by getting in. I tell her why I'm here. I get to this classroom and as I go in, I realized that this is a full class that we are running this rehearsal in front of. And they have a stage, like they, the whole scene is set up. All the other actors are ready to go waiting on me. Place is silent. And <laughs> it's a full classroom, bro. A full classroom, <laughs> 30, 40 people, professors standing up. And they just turn to me coming in the door and I'm just soaking wet, bro. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> when I tell you, man, I that was the most embarrassing moment of my life trying to do that scene right there. I fumbled my words. If they, if any of them in that class happen to see me on TV one day, they're going to be like, no fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) That loser who walked in that classroom soaking wet and couldn't get a word out to save his life. But yeah, I was, I was pretty, um, pretty. So did the other actors in the scene have their lines memorized? Oh yeah. So did you have to read yours? Yes. Yeah. And me being like, you just trying too hard. I should have just been sitting there just reading them because it was like at that point, like, screw it. Who cares? I'm not getting graded for this. You yeah. know, it's all about the guy who wrote it. And instead, I'm just sitting there trying to perform like, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, was that word again? Like, it was, it was so bad. Man. The point of the class was literally laughing at me at one point and not in a good way. It was not. They, a they were laughing. Like, they were laughing at me, bro. It was, <laughs> like, it was bad. It was really bad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Dude, that's a that's a good one, bro. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point, I literally was like, man, like, I know I'm better than this, first of all, but, like, that was, you know, it can't get any worse than this. Nothing else can happen that's going to be that bad. So, yeah. it was a good thing, man. It was, it was, you know, I took a lot out of that, but, yeah. 
Dude, what was the scene? What what was happening? I was, I was it was me and another guy who was my my partner, and we were uh, interrogating a guy about a murder. So like, so you can imagine me just like trying to like go at him like real serious, and I just like didn't know my lines, and it was just it was bad, man. It was really bad. So you were playing a cop, a bad cop situation. Yeah, and I was the bad cop. You know? Yeah. The guy getting interrogated could have given you crap. Like, who's this guy who came in out of the rain? Yeah, right. Is this guy, this guy, a real cop. Is this guy, <laughs> like the Channing Tatum and uh, Jonah Hill. Man. Yeah, guys on uh, from Halloween, kids on Halloween. Yeah, dude, that's that's <laughs> great, man. Dude, there's nothing worse than like being late to something that's like kind of important, or yeah, and then the realization that it's in front of people. Oh. It's funny, man. You're gonna have you have a lot of my friends listen to this, and they're gonna be laughing at you saying that to me. I literally have something that my friends call Kelly time for me being late all the time. Really? Hey, uh, yeah. Like I'm on the way. I'm ten minutes out, and they're like, "Oh, like, we'll see you in thirty minutes." Type Dude, I'm like, impressed. You're on time for this. I was. I think I was two minutes late. Uh, that is um for for me, man. That's 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 improvement there. So. Dude, nah, I, man, I, I, I schedule comics on this all the time, and dude, comics are late as hell all the That's time. Kind of yeah, music video, man. You just, they show up when they won't. They show yeah, up yeah, dude. That's great. <laughs> uh, so, dude, I've been dying to ask you about righteous gemstones. Like, so you play um, the past version of John Goodman, right? You basically play John Goodman's character, but when he was young. Yeah, correct. And you are. Can you walk me through like that, uh, that character and what, like, like, I've only seen the first episode of this season. I haven't seen all of the yeah, ones that are out yeah. yet. But. So, um, you know, it's, I think the coolest part about that role for me, I mean, aside from the fact that I played a young John Goodman, cause that in itself was just incredible, but yeah, that's sweet. It kind of set up the whole season, you know, and, and, and that's something from a writer's perspective that I really understand now. And, you know, the average viewer may not like recognize that, but my scenes, you know, the, the five, six minutes I had of scene time, camera time, they really set up the whole season, um, which is really cool. You know, that that's that says a lot to me, Danny McBride being the creator and writer along with his partners. Um, that character was very important to the show. So um, it, it meant a lot to me that that booking and it was um, I love the show. The first season was so good that like yeah. when, I, when I got the audition, I was actually in Chicago working on a documentary um, for our, our production company. And it like it, it jumped off the page. You know, before you're reading for cop one, you know, lawyer two, doctor two. This one was young Eli Jimstone. And I just like I immediately I had my brother. He was out in Chicago for the weekend just because, you know, so we could enjoy a new place together. And I looked at him. I told him I was like, Brian, like. I've got to, I've got to lock myself in a room for this one. Yeah. And that's what I did for the next couple of days. And then I ended up, I auditioned with my partners in Chicago in the hotel room and I made it my own, man. It, um, the writing was obviously incredible, but I, I really like made it my own. Uh, and I, I said a lot of stuff that I, I felt Eli, young Eli would have and, and it worked. But. So in making it your own, is, are you inserting dialogue that, is it on the page or, or just how you say it? What, what, inserting dialogue. Yeah, inserting dialogue. And then and even to the point, David, you know, you hop into class. Like, I, I love talking to you about this. I'll send you the, the original audition script I have versus my audition. And, and yeah, no, I'd love to. That. So you're um, I'm going to be taking an acting class in a couple of months that Jake recommended. That's what Jake's referring to. And I'm so excited. I'm going to go to Atlanta and, and I have no idea what you as a comedian, my friend. It's what's gonna, that? It's going to elevate you just as a stand up comedian. It, Hopefully it, it, that I, I, I just will, man. 
I, it's it's kind of freaks me out. So that's why I want to try it. And it's it's exciting. And, and that's what we talked about. It, it's, it is exciting feeding those fears. But I think even if it, you know, comes down to you and just creating a joke out of it, you know, mm-hmm. like I, it's, it's something great is going to come out of that for you. So I was really excited. You texted me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so yeah, what you I mean, actually had in front of you in terms of the script was different from what you ended up representing yeah. in the rehearsal or in the uh, mm-hmm. audition. So much to the point to where, you know, it, it, I got to set in Charleston and, you know, we were there for filming my first day and I was like, well, you know, improvising worked for me in the audition. So I'll just do it in the scene. And I, I did it in the first couple of takes and uh, Jody Hill, who, who directed the first portion of the first episode came up to me and he was like, Hey, like, let's, let's just stick to the script. Like, you know, let's just, let's just stick to the script here. But you know, that was, I, I'm glad I tried that. That's, you know, and that's what you got to do as an actor, bring your own flavor to something. And, um, you know, and then they, they're really good about that, man. They, they want you to do that and they, they encourage that, but their writing is so good and it's so intentional, you know, as ridiculous as it is, the comedy, it's, it's still great storyline and great plot. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you got to trust your script and that and then your writers, but it was a dream, man. It was, it was such a cool set. And I, I'll never forget my first day. Uh, it was the, if you remember the dinner scene, um, when I took the, took the slap there, spoiler, but I was sitting at that. That was the first scene we shot. And I was, I was sitting at that table and I was so nervous. I was so nervous about to do this scene. And um, around the corner, you know, they're, they're setting up the camera and everything. Danny McBride peeks his head around the corner and he just kind of gave me like a little like head nod. And he, it just, it just relaxed me. It immediately was just like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. Type he just deal. gave you a head nod. Like he just gave me a little head nod. Up, bro? Just like, yeah. Yeah. And it was just so simple, but it was just like, it was like, I'm supposed to be here right now. You know, Kenny fucking powers. Just came in and give me a head nod. <laughs> it was cool, man. It was, it was a, a nod of approval is what we'll call it. But Working with them was a dream. It was it was a truly a dream. It spoiled me. Like you, the rule, I don't know if I'll ever have a cooler role than that. I, I I just don't know if I will. You know, but that, that's that's cool though that uh, that you don't know. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I agree. Uh, yeah, so he was involved because he's the writer and creator mm-hmm. of that story. So so he was on set and and you got to work with him. Yeah, yeah that he was on interaction. You also. Yeah, Danny, he, they run the show, man. It, it, he's um he's got the dream situation. Danny went to school with a lot of those guys, uh, film school in, in North Carolina, and they've been working together since on everything. And and um you know he's the face of it, but there's so many. All of those guys are just geniuses, man. They're they're comedic geniuses. Um and it's I mean it was it was a pleasure working with him. David Gordon Green. Um ended up directing the second portion of the first episode. And this is something that like, this is the type of type of thing that I really, I find fascinating. And I think it's really cool. He also directed, they have the rights to the Halloween movies. Okay. So David Gordon Green, who directed the second portion of a lot of my scenes also directed the past two Halloween movies. And it's just How like, crazy is that? Dude? That is just like, man, growing up watching those, like who would have thought, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's the type of stuff that the, the film nerd in me comes out. And I'm just like, that's just the coolest thing to me, man. Yeah. So, yeah, man, but but they're a dream, man. They're a so dream. Danny McBride is he a pretty cool guy off uh, off cool screen? In the world. Cool yeah. in the world. Yeah. Danny came up to me. My my first conversation with him, and he looked me directly in the eye and he said, "Thank you for doing this." And I was just like, "Thank you thank, for doing you're this." Thank you, bro. Yeah, like thanking me. I would do this shit for free. He's just that type of guy, and I think it says a lot that he he up and moved his family to Charleston. 
um, you know, yeah. and like that says a lot about, you know, um, him as a person, um, even though it's so simple, it's just like, he didn't need all the, the glamour and the jazz. He just, he needs to just work with his friends and, and he was able to that in Charleston and still is. And so the coolest thing that they, the whole cast or the whole crew, I'm sorry, you know, everybody from makeup, wardrobe, they've worked on all his previous stuff. It's, it's a family. It's a, it's a rough house family. And it's, it's the coolest thing to me, man. They're all just such good friends and, and they welcome me. Like I was, you know, been there for years. So, so that's, that's like Danny McBride, McBride's crew, basically mm-hmm. all of his friends and they've, they've worked together okay. on other, have they worked on other projects? Were they involved with, uh, yeah. uh Eastbound and Down? Eastbound and Down. So the, the, the majority of the crew definitely came together with vice principals. Vice principals. And, uh, I love that show too. So fantastic. And obviously you see a lot of the same actors, you know, brought on the righteous gemstones as well. So He's really good about, you know, working with people that he enjoys working with and then kind of, you know, taking them along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's deserved on there. And I mean, Walton Goggins, like, is there a better talent in the world? Like, you know, so, um, but Edie Patterson, like, it, they're just incredible. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it was really cool, man. But the last thing we shut down for, for COVID and we broke for, uh, for a full year. Um, and again, kind of the same thing you said to me off the bat, but he said, I hope you'll, you know, I hope you'll consider come back and, and doing this again. It's just like, man, like I was doing a, I was doing a student film for $15 last week. Like <laughs> you tell me when I will be there. I will be there. Yeah. So, yeah. It was cool, man. It was, they got approved for a season three. So we'll see. We'll That's see awesome. Decide to bring young Eli back. But, well, everybody watch it. I was listening to that. I mean, you're not gonna yeah. get we're not gonna get a huge bump off of this show, but yeah, hey man, hey, every every, every view counts, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Give me the residuals, give me the residuals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so dude, Danny McBride, dude, it, it, he has uh it, it kind of throws me off picturing him as a nice person because right? his characters, I would expect him to be like, Sup, sup, douchebag. <laughs> yeah, but this is the end guy, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's just, just like not, I picture man. him in the the buddy comedies, and you know, just uh, his hysterical characters. Right. Um, man, he, he, I think that's the coolest thing, and, and it, it was was able to have a conversation with him. And and, and many times, you know, we, we'd be filming in um in a warehouse, and it was you know half of it they were doing my my throwback scenes, and the other half they're doing present day scenes. So I was right. able to have conversations with him, and then watch him go into work and just get in that mindset of jesse johnstone you know you're right man it's just it it was it was really really, like refreshing just seeing like this different person than what he's always portrayed on camera yeah um but he's a filmmaker man he's a film nerd he's a film nerd and then that was really cool to see and and talk to him about a lot of his previous work Uh, we talked about you know uh, love for tarantino which i think everybody who loves film does but right um it's just it was, it was really really nice and, and cool to be able to sit down and have this conversation but he's a big tarantino fan oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah um not a lot of inspiration and then a lot of different people when he was growing up but and you see it in his work in a lot of ways for sure mm-hmm. for sure did you talk to john goodman at all man no i did not i never got the opportunity to meet john and that's something that like it, it's kind of eating at me but i think um you know, after after the COVID thing, they were really kind of very strict about, you know, who's crossing whose path. Yeah. Um, he's, maybe, just, he's a little older, too, now. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Even though he's still killing it. Absolutely. Right. Killing it in that role. But I, about the only thing I can take away from that is the fact that I, I can pretty much assure that he 
has watched my footage of how I was breaking the thumbs and whatnot. And that was satisfying enough for me, you know, it was like, all right, you know, that, that I'll take that, you know, um, yeah. but hopefully one day, man, and then I might write him a letter or something, give it to his representation to get to him, you know, just to, yeah. just to say how much I've always looked up to him and whatnot. Um, Cause he has been, he's, he's been a film icon for me for so long. Um, yeah. You know, do you remember the borrowers? You remember that movie? The borrowers borrowers i'm looking it See, up right now this is an older movie but so much to the point man where i just like i didn't i didn't even know who he was when i was watching him as a kid but he i just he was always so compelling and he just captured a captured a screen so well if you haven't seen <laughs> it you remember that movie yeah I, I haven't seen it but i i i can see a little gif of john goodman busting through a door oh yeah i'm, I'm already oh, yeah. laughing uh, you should check that movie out man you yeah. enjoy that but I'd reference that movie because it came out when we were so young and that was like a big one for me and my siblings. And it just like, I didn't know who he was, but I loved it. I yeah. loved it, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, I loved him and it was, it was just, it was really cool, man. And it still is people calling him maniac kid, you know, throughout Ma- the season. The maniac kid, bro. He gives me chills every time. And every time somebody calls John Goodman, the maniac kid, it just, it's, it's really, it's really, it's cool. It's yeah. Really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Who is, uh, have you met any other famous celebrities that, uh, yeah, man, a, a lot of, um, a lot of my featured extra work in the past has been very, uh, involved in the production. Um, you know, a lot of Woodlawn, for example, even back in the day. So Sean Aston, um, you know, everybody knows from Rudy. Rudy. Um, yeah, man. And, and of course, Lord of the Rings, but he was, he was one that I, I was able to really interact with. Maybe not, you know, necessarily one-on-one, but he was very just, you know, let's throw the football type deal. And, and yeah, I was able to watch, even at a young age, I was able to watch him work and, and kind of watch his process and, and adopt certain things that he did um, and, and kind of, you know, just learn from him. Um, but there, there's been a couple of them that I've, I've really kind of taken to. Um, on that, on Gemstone specifically, Wayne Duvall, who is not going to be a household name by any means, but he is just a man of the craft. He's worked for so long um he's in oh brother where art thou you played the role of the mayor yes yes wayne was a pleasure to work with man and john goodman was in oh brother where art thou yes he was and and he beats the shit out of uh yep george clooney i think yeah Yeah, under that tree yeah yeah isn't john goodman the bible salesman yes yeah, yeah. That's, that's my dad's favorite movie in the world oh brother where art thou mine too man so i asked wayne i asked wayne because he, he had a lot of just great lines in that movie i had to ask him you know I, I called my dad and wayne was kind enough to deliver a line from his oh brother where art thou and it was just like man like these people what was the line <sighs> for the life of me man for the life of me i do not remember and of course if i heard it right now i'd be like you know that's it my dad there's a lot of quotable lines. lines like there's that real southern like mm-hmm. uh, yeah oh didn't didn't wayne duvall's character wasn't he um part of the clan yes he was a huge part of the clan he was secretly part of the Klu Klux Klan. yeah and then he busted the soggy bottom boys yeah um, this is soggy bottom boys yeah <laughs> that movie he, is legendary man and he tries but... to get him in trouble but he's got that real <laughs> thick like molasses southern yeah. accent Dude. oh yeah he was so excellent in that but yeah. working with him that was so cool man because a, a lot of my scenes were with wayne uh-huh. um and and you know it, it even in a two-week time period two weeks on a film set feels like a lifetime sometimes you know those days are long mm-hmm. um you're, you're around a lot of the same people a lot of downtime so um 
him and I, Timmy Nelson, we all got to know each other pretty well. Um, and, and Wayne was just very, you know, welcoming and, and taught me a lot just as far as, you know, the ins and outs, but it was cool, man. And being able to, you know, look back on those movies and say, I've worked with those people was just like, it's, it's mind blowing for me, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dude. I fanboy out about celebrities so much. I, I, I love certain people, man. I, I just can't handle it. Certain people. I, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. specifically in your mind you kind of just like well the dream? the my the the favorite person that i've met is russell crowe okay uh oh yeah gladiator you, i mean absolutely man. he he used to be like larger than life he's kind of he hasn't been in anything major yeah. in a while but uh he's still living off that gladiator money i don't blame him yeah yeah <laughs> i i remember i don't think i've told that story on here yet but uh i met him in Asheville um in 2019 my girlfriend at the time uh it was it was my birthday and she said well, like well, i'm taking you to Asheville we're having this like saturday night nice night out and we were going out to dinner and we asked the waiter if he recommended anything of what we could do and the waiter said well there's a rumor uh, russell crowe is at the golden eagle or is it the gray eagle I think it's one of those two. It's a wow. music venue watching mm-hmm. um, Slayer. It was their last North American tour. Um, and a musician from the band Slayer was performing at the Gray Eagle. And uh, I was like, dude, we're going. Or I'm going to, we're, we got to at least see if we could spot them. Yeah. Absolutely. So we walked in. And uh, this is back when I was still drinking. So mm-hmm. I, I was pretty looped on wine, but uh i don't know alcoholic courage man what's that what? alcohol courage yeah yeah basically <laughs> i don't think i would have done this otherwise but we walked into the door and i don't know if he had just come in from like a smoke break or or whatever but i looked to my right and there was this big figure right next to me and i've seen russell crowe recently but he's put on some weight um so right and i looked at him and i'm pretty good with faces and i looked at him i was like oh my god that's him and uh, I, I just reached out and shook his hand. I said, sir, it's so nice to meet you. Gladiator inspired my whole life. That's so awesome, man. It was so stupid that I said that. But then he looked and and uh, my girlfriend, Aubrey, well, she was she was looked really nice. Mm-hmm. And she had like this dress, this cocktail dress on or whatever. And this was kind of <laughs> he looked at her and said, she inspires me right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not exactly the coolest thing to say. You just think that is the best compliment ever. I was like, yes. oh, my gosh. Russell, yes. my girlfriend's uh, hot. Awesome. So then, uh, yeah, then, then they went off and, like, there was, like, a roped off area where he and his posse were, like, watching, like, this VIP protected area. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she didn't even really know a lot about Russell Crowe. Um, right. She's a few years younger than me. So she said, oh, you know, David wants a picture. So she talked to like his handlers or whatever and uh, got a picture uh, with the three of us. So that was really. Yeah, but uh, that made my life, dude. I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, That's that's really where it it comes from. I guess that's an obvious statement. But just like the movies that like you just love so much. It's those, of course, you know. And yeah, Gladiator stuck with me, man. I was like, dude, he's you know yeah oh yeah man that that's iconic that, that movie will forever you know never be 
never get old. It's just anytime it's on, you got to watch Gladiator. It's it's one of the best movies ever. Is there a celebrity you'd really like to meet that you haven't? Yeah, for sure, man. I, I, pinpointing them would be tough. You know, um, Jason Bateman. I'm yeah. a big fan of um, to the point even where I did a couple of years ago, I did some uh, some extra work on Ozark, you know, just to be on that set and feel the energy of the set. And, and I thought it was fascinating that he, you know, he was directing it while acting in it. And that was the first time I'd witnessed somebody do that um and it was such a big scene i was you know at the closest point probably 30 yards from him mm-hmm. but i think working directly with him would be really really cool mm-hmm. um man that's that's celebrity wise to work with that's that's tough i nowadays i kind of think of it from like a director standpoint like who would i who would i want to work with as a director yeah like, well you you're know. you're in it now man you don't have to look at it from like you're you're separate from it you're part of that yeah. Um, I, I think that that's cool and danny mcbride would be up there on that list so you know dude that, that was he'd be up there for me too man seriously that's an a-lister yeah. for sure and uh yeah especially yeah. because um he's he's a comedic actor mm-hmm. like I, I i like you know for i uh those are the the people that really like i, I just have fond uh i don't know positive emotion associated with those those comedic actors especially yeah um, dramatic actors too but you know right. there's some comedy different out of you yeah 100 percent. yeah like i i really like when actors can do both um you know leonardo dicaprio was always my favorite actor mm-hmm. like back in high school and college we like rank like who are the badass people right. leo was always like if leo's in a movie we're yeah. seeing it yeah but um i really like with leo and and he's you know doing more stuff with jonah hill and everything mm-hmm. and like uh wolf of wall street i think was one of the first movies i saw of his right. where he showed another side and he proved that he could be funny yeah absolutely because not absolutely. all dramatic actors are even willing to to yeah, try absolutely not, absolutely not. They'll, they'll tell you comedies that much harder than drama it's just it's just not natural where dramatic yeah why do you think why do you think that is I don't know, man. I think, you know, it's, it's an overthinking thing, you know, and then I I get it, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to try to be funny, but it's, it's the question of, are you funny enough just being your natural self? And a lot of people, you know, don't think they are. Um, And also, you know, a lot of these actors growing up, you know, they go through these schools, these, these highly prestigious schools and they're just taught drama. So, so much about the art of it. And, and, how serious you should take the work that yeah. you know it, nobody's necessarily going to comedy acting school you know right so i think that's a big part of it you know and then if you look at a lot of leo's work growing up it's you know, he played a lot of really serious roles mm-hmm. um and he did really well with them but I, I applaud him the same for you know don't look up i thought he was hilarious yeah dude me I too he was funny you know me it, too. there's no one funnier by themselves on camera freaking out like yeah. there's no one. He's just so good at it. And yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do you do you remember that movie pretty well? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Man, when he he's like seen, when he's like in his trailer, like dude. come on, man, I suck. Like, <laughs> goddamn whiskey sours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, stop yeah. drinking right now, <laughs> man. He is so funny, and and it's it's awesome watching that. And then Tarantino came out and said he was uncomfortable doing it, and it's just like you would never know that watching it. He killed it. Yeah. You know? So it's that man. He, he he's a man of the art, but yeah, yeah, man. That's, well, I, know, I think I, comedy's yeah. humbling for people because like you you kind of like just bury yourself in all of like 
Like some of the funniest characters are like the lovable losers, like George, right. a George Costanza character, a Larry David mm-hmm. character. They, they're very flawed. They're yeah. selfish. They're down on their luck. They're the bumbling fool finding their way. A lot of actors who maybe are polished don't want to like put themselves in that light. Right, right. That's interesting. That's that's probably very true, man. For sure. Um, I mean, I don't know what funny is. We try to find it on state, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah. Usually, the stuff people laugh at are like the dumpster fires that I talk about, whether it's dating or you know whatever. I don't know if it makes people just feel better about their own situation or like, it's I think just... everybody, ha- everybody feels that way deep down. So I think yeah. there's something authentic, like somebody willing to, sh- you know, yeah, everybody's yeah. got a depraved George Costanza in them maybe, or, yeah. you know, whatever, right. whatever, you know, yeah, character no, you want. It's just easier to laugh at other people's pain for sure. Yeah. <laughs> laugh at my. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah um have have you ever written anything uh comedically um you know I've, I've been involved in that process um nothing that was my own original idea but you know we, we as a studio um and all three you know me and both my partners all being at scad um we're around a lot of creatives so we try to really incorporate you know a lot of people and what we have going on because you know not a lot of people do in atlanta we're, mm-hmm. we're you know one of the only you know independent studios kind of doing what we do um so we we brought in uh, a guy recently, and um, this is one of the projects I can't say too much about. But he is just—he's got such a good knack for comedy. It was slight adjustments that we were just kind of giving, and and once you come to me with a comedy idea and I kind of hop on board with it, that's when I can have a lot of fun. Um, but coming up with that original idea is tough, and yeah, um, that's something that, you know I'd, I'd love to challenge myself to do is is come up with a comedic series and kind of run with it, but. Um, to tell you just the gist of what that one is, it's a it's a workplace comedy around the bar. Okay. So of course you know I based can around to the Buckhead. They're inspired yes. by some of your Buckhead stories. Yes, even to the point. The uh, shout out Adam and Juan. They allowed us to film the pilot that we're using to pitch at Big Sky. Hell so, yeah! Yeah, man. So yeah, yeah. They, they've they've taken good care of me always. So um, that was cool to kind of you know bring both worlds in and, and go full circle there. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that's one we're really excited about. And McBride, that might be up his alley. So I'll have to talk to him about that one one day. I think um, comedic writing, it's uh, not being forced, but just documenting. Right. Like a lot of stuff that, like I try a lot of stuff that doesn't work at all when I try to engineer an idea from nothing. But like the funny stuff that actually ends up working used to, you typically it's like something actually that happened. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh shit, let me write that down absolutely so like i'm absolutely. sure there's so many bar stories that right. like endless have a comedic angle endless. um it, it's just it's just having the 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 eyeglasses on to notice it and be like oh right. shit right and, and that's I've, how been, I've always been pretty good about I've, I've always i've always been pretty good about recognizing those moments and yeah and yeah. i have so many different ideas and it's just like oh this would be great in in that story or this concept you know so i've, I've always I'm, I'm an index card guy, man. I'll scene. I'll write down the situation and I'll store them. So um, that's something we've taken away from Spike Lee and kind of his process. But, Spike Lee uses index cards? Oh, a huge index card, man. He, okay. I mean, he will stack this big before he starts diving into his work. So yeah, um, and he just breaks it down. You character, you know, headline it and then just dive into a character scene, da, 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 location, you know, setting. So, so it, could, I wanted to nerd out for a second about the writing process. So, 
how do you write like if you're going to write a script mm-hmm. how would you even start would you frame out the whole thing at the beginning would you like have your characters first would you just start writing once upon right. a time on a sunny day and man writing is so tedious and and everybody has their own process which i think is it's fascinating because I've, I've been able to pick up a lot of different things from certain people um but for me and this is something that i find is a rarity not many people do i love just straight diving into a first draft getting something on paper and and you know, it might be the roughest thing in the world. It might be a piece of shit, but I, of course that's a first draft. You know, you're going to have 150 before it's all right. said and done. So it's not worth, you know, just, you know, grilling yourself over. Mm-hmm. But for me, I just have to get it out. And then once I do that, that's when, you know, you can put other people's eyes on it that you trust to give their opinions. And that's when you can kind of, you know, ditch the fat, start cutting the fat and really evolving the characters and the story. Um, but where I struggle and where I hit roadblocks is the characters. I'll just like, I'll be married to him. I'll be on such a roll. And then I'll be like, what do I want to name this character? Uh, uh, that doesn't sound right. What about Megan? You know, and, that <laughs> right. and I'll just end up, yeah, screw it. You know, and I'll get back to this later. So yeah, I'll go play video games or something. Yeah. So I got to do something. I just got to draw a blank and just keep going. Um, I just get, I hit roadblocks and they'll, they'll put you down a little bit, but yeah. Sharing it with somebody you trust is an interesting thing. You said like, I, I, uh, I think that's something that gives me any anxiety, like a lot of anxiety. Man, like, I don't, I have a circle for it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fortunate with that, you know, and then they do the same vice versa and then I'll give them advice on their work. You also have to protect your idea because right. If you share it to somebody that doesn't appreciate it or doesn't appreciate mm-hmm. you or like what you're going for, or like, right. You got to be gentle. And I've made that mistake. I've, I've given it out too early when it wasn't ready to be read. And, and then somebody and, shits on it. And then you're like, and then you don't you believe it anymore. It. Exactly. And as soon as you don't believe in it, it's game over. That, that <laughs> yeah. Done. So I don't share joke ideas until I do it on stage. Usually that's smart. That's because, because I'll be like, no, I just have to do it. And I think if I right. do it this way, I think a group of people in the right setting mm-hmm. and then it'll bomb anyway. <laughs> so tell me this. I got a question for you as a standup. And this is something that I've always wondered. How much of it is, or, or do you have a show where you have a lot of material prepped? Do you ever go into those shows and it just ends up being where you only delivered 15% of the material because all this shit happened during the show that you were able to feed off of? Or is that different? some people do that? Some okay. people rely, some people do more crowd work and, and like engaging with the audience. And then they can just come up with something funny based off of what's going on. Yeah. And then that'll fill more time. And then maybe you ended up only doing 50% of what you had planned. Um, it kind of depends. If you're at a comedy club, mm-hmm. like uh, like Laughing Skull, that's one of my favorite places to go. Yeah. Uh, great club. Um, or there's, there's a comedy club up here where people are there for comedy. There's no distractions. It's you and the microphone. All eyes are on you. You're going to do... 99% prepared material or that's what right. I'm going to do. Right. Like basically right. I know every word I'm going to say. It's just a matter of like how long to pause or like how to say it to make sure that they're laughing when and if a joke's not working right or like pause longer and just right. not and but but the material's all the same um versus if you're booked on like a bar show like and you don't really know and, and like you're competing with TVs at the sports mm-hmm. bar behind 
like you may have to yell at like that guy and, and be like, hey, asshole. Like, right. I, I don't know. Like, maybe in order to get them more involved, you have to use different strategies. You have to do crowd work to survive. If you just went through your prepared routine, you will mm-hmm. die because they're not even going to be listening. It won't be natural. Like it should feel like a conversation always, wow. even when you're doing prepared stuff. But uh, yeah. And, and in those situations where you're like at a bar show, if you can get them, then you're in your prepared material. But like you may be deviating to do crowd work a little bit in right. the set just because it's more of a rambunctious, crazy environment. And then your time might be up and you only got through 75% of your job. Like that's happened to me before where I'm like, oh, I didn't even have to do these because I finished the time yeah. before. Interesting. But I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I figured it was kind of, you know, different each night you get up, you know, maybe. More yeah, more there should be an element of like you're there in the room. Right. Telling these people something that you actually. Because it's weird. The, the audience can tell if you're if you're faking what you're saying, like they can tell if it's real and or they can tell if you're. um, If. In real by real, I mean, like not literally, lying, but if you're being authentic in the right. moment, they can yeah. tell the difference. Absolutely. And they'll get uncomfortable if you're not. Right. So it's not like just not laughing, like a bomb on stage is like people are like, ooh, oh, like yeah, everybody's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. It really it's does. not just they don't find it funny. It's that like they don't like you they as a you. human. They hate you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's fucked absolutely. up, dude. It's really. Absolutely. Oh. But it's it makes it that much cooler when they laugh. So exactly. Man. Did you ever think about trying stand up, dude? You know, for the purpose of James Mack, I have just just to be like, I mean, even outside of James, but James, that's something I would, I would kind of want to venture with him. I'd, I'd love to go to his, of course, his first one. But yeah, you know, as, as, as a person who says they you know, want to do things they fear, yes, I think that would be, you know, very rewarding for me to get up there and, and try that. Um, it's so weird how they're, they're similar, like acting and stand up, but they're so different. Like I am horrified right. and I don't even know, like the first thing I would even start to say or do or how to do it in acting. See, but you're about to find out. And honestly, yeah. you doing that, maybe uh, that means something for me too. I need it. We need to, we need to cross bridges there. So yeah, I think that's something, man. Like where was your, where was your first show? Uh, Greenville uh, comedy zone. Okay. So comedy zone is a franchise. So there's several of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in Charlotte. There's one here. I remember when I moved here, I moved here from Atlanta in 2020 and the, uh, I, I have an apartment downtown and I was just walking down the street one day and uh, Comedy Zone, there was a sign for it. And it was a comedy club. And I was like immediately drawn to it. I was like, wow, wow. just because of, you know, Seinfeld over the years, Louis show I always loved and stand up comedy. I don't know. It was always like, that's a cool thing. And there's like a club right there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you could walk to it like a couple blocks away from here. Um and uh yeah so there was a friend of mine ellen maloney she doesn't do stand-up much anymore but i met her at a bar here uh prior to me officially moving and she introduced herself to me as a comedian and that was the first time i met somebody that was like doing stand-up but not famous and i was like oh so you could do stand-up like what is that like and like dude i think you would be less intimidated if you knew like what an open mic scene is kind of like yeah like it's it's a it's a random ragtag group of misfits that do stand up. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do stand up, but there's a lot of people, all great people, but 
mm-hmm. salt like not all people have their lives together i mean obviously right. like it's not like right. it's not like you're going you know on a stage with like you know thousands of people watching and it's got to be perfect like it's yeah. very like it's not as scary it's um, an organized shit show yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and there's so a I've lot of really laughing skulls. and you'll see how I bad people are out. You'll see yeah. how freaking bad people are. And that'll encourage you to do it too. Like, is right. that even a, what is that? Like, what did you just yeah, say? I can imagine that. <laughs> is that even a joke? Or are you just <laughs> talking funny. about your fucked up life? Like, what are you, <laughs> what? So no offense to any comment. I mean, but the open mic scene is like that, you know, it's very, yeah. so there's nothing right. to be afraid. I mean, you would, you would, I'm sure have just natural instincts that would make you decent at oh. it out of the gate. So you know, if it, if it would give me that same thrill I got when doing improv where it, it's just you're nervous as hell, you know, and then you're so in that moment, you're so excited to be there, but you're also so ready for it to be over. And it's just like yeah. in that middle and just running with it. And that, that's that's it's quite the rush. I, I think I mean, I think it's something, you know, I, I would enjoy doing just for the hell of it and kind of just put myself out there. And, and Yeah. You know, well, the other reason you'd be good at it is like a big thing they talk about is likability. Mm-hmm. You're extremely likable. You're like, the night, yeah. I was got to say that about you because you and Hutch, man, this is not something I, you know, well, Hutch isn't likable. Hutch is a fuck. That's dude. true. He's a bit of an asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So oh, I love Hutch. I love Hutch. That is something, man. And you know, I don't say this to many people. You guys, man, as a bartender, you want to hate everyone. You hate 99% of the people who are getting drinks from me. I always love you guys, man. Y'all are, <laughs> y'all are truly my favorite customers. Like I can, I can genuinely say that. And so you always not, you met y'all made me laugh, man. Y'all were just funny together. And then it was, it was just not, I remember like it was yesterday, you guys sitting under that bar that's no longer there because they blew it out and did all sorts of renovations. But I just, man, I, you guys were always a pleasure and I, I just loved you guys. What man. was the memory of us, of us saying that? I mean, I it's I literally it's like a visual memory of I can I can picture you drinking a beer and it, how it's just sitting next to you drinking the beer the same and y'all were the only people in the bar yeah you know, five thirty like we had just opened and I was just able to sit there and talk to you guys and just yeah. like enjoy it yeah and dude that my was life was a shit show back then it was uh... see I would have never known that you guys were the guys who had it, had it all together like had it uh, all life well, figured out for me we had real jobs we were like doing healthcare sales and. Uh... I didn't know what I was doing. I had a new territory. I was stressed out of my mind. I was like, give me another beer like this. <laughs> Dude, you guys were in scrubs, so you were immediately official. In my yeah. yeah. Oh, these guys, these oh, guys are in. <laughs> guys look like doctors. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, damn. This guy just came out of heart surgery over here. Yeah. And then Hutch <laughs> had his like stress in his own way. He uh, he was just burned out covering cases and like, ah, I need to get away from the girlfriend for a day. And yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Right. But yeah. uh but yeah, man, that was a fun time. It seems like ages ago. It seems it does. like it really does an eternity ago. It really does. But that's um, cool, man. Like that's 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 why I was so happy you reached out to me because you know that like that was that was cool for me. You know that we were able to take that back and and I yeah, build a friendship with you. Over yeah, that's yeah. Not something I have with many people in my bartending years. So that's cool. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah, it's it's real cool. Um, I feel like, um. Uh, the pandemic changed a lot. I mean, the pandemic, that was kind of how I got into creative stuff with, with all this stuff. How did you handle the, the pandemic? Did that affect, like, did you, did you have any sort of reset when it came to acting and, like, yeah, finding um, out really what you wanted? Or, like, did you have a real low spot with that? Or Man, off the, off the bat, Hutch, uh, 
No, I just called you Hutch here, Baker. <laughs> so now, now you got me thinking about both of y'all sitting at that bar. You got We're basically the same person. Yeah, man. I um. So when I was in Charleston, it was it was March 2020, and we had just started filming. Um, and it was day two, and um, I was going to do a huge scene, and as soon as I showed up um McBride. this is for righteous gemstones yeah this is for gemstones yeah sorry i didn't clarify that there but um day two and and at this point i was scheduled to be out there for a couple of weeks um and day two they came up to me right when i showed up on set and they were like hey we're shutting down for covid you would have thought that they fired me and told me that i was never gonna act ever again the way I that's acted. that's you you took it that's how i took it man it, it was it was why me type deal when the whole world you know, was obviously dealing with this. And I just, I went into my freaking nice ass trailer on an HBO set. And I just bitched, man, instead of preparing for this huge scene, which I was already prepared for, because, you know, the nights before, but I, I should have mentally just been in the moment. And instead it was just poor pitiful me, you know, yeah. like, me? I finally get this opportunity. They're sending me home. So I, I, it was a good lesson for me, you know, to, to, wake up and stop being an idiot and focus, you know, for one. Um, but I just, I'll never forget. And I was calling my mom, I called my brother. Um, and I just wanted to bitch. I just, I just wanted to bitch and be like, why me? Why right now? But it was everybody. So like, yeah. it was selfish of me. It was stupid. And, um, dude, that would be really hard. Like dude, that was like your biggest, easily biggest breakthrough so far. Yeah. But it wasn't like I wasn't coming back. You know, and that right. was the thing that I, I needed to sit down and really take a step back and realize, you know, this is not the end of the world. You will be back. You uh -huh. know? If anything, it, it allowed me a lot of time to, to do a lot of things. I, I was able to go get my motorcycle license and, and really ride a motorcycle. I was able to get in a really good shape. Did you have to get a motorcycle license to, to do the, the scene that you had? Um, in order to do a lot of aspects of it, yes. Versus instead of my, my stunt double just doing everything and, um, you know, just... It looking cool, but me knowing it wasn't me on the bike. Right, I, right. I wanted to be able to. I wanted to be able to ride the bike. But you had your own stunt double, bro. Yeah, I had two of them actually for the wrestling scene. For the wrestling scene the and the motor. Fortunately, this is something they were very surprised about because actors usually their background is not any sort of athletic background. So that was something when I was doing the wrestling scene. That was almost like you know after two days of rehearsals with it. And people teaching me the moves, it was very like natural to me. It was just like this is like playing football growing up. Right. So they were like blown away that I was doing all these like wrestling moves and whatnot. But my stunt double was incredible and in just teaching me everything. So mm -hmm. I'm extremely thankful for Kyle for that. Um, but yeah, the motorcycle man, it was you do something. I'm so basic on it, you know, just like kind of cruising real slow, pulling in. I'm like, oh, that probably looked really cool. And my stunt double gets on there and he's just popping wheelies and just <laughs> doing badass shit. And I'm just like, okay, let's, let's use that footage. Yeah. But yeah, man. That was, that was cool. Those guys are, they're some badasses. Those stunt doubles, man. They, they take a beating for a living, but they love it. So yeah, Absolutely. yeah. It, it allowed me a lot of time, man, to really, to really, you know, focus and, and, and lock in and something that I, that I learned uh, in between my times in Charleston filming. And I watched uh, I watched a lot of Danny's interviews and whatnot, and he did uh, he did a podcast with Sam Jones, and Sam Jones uh, he's he's great he's, he's fantastic brings a lot of you know people I I look up to onto his show, and um, he said to him he asked him because uh, Danny's you know he had that huge comedic background and then 
Ridley Scott offered him a role in a aliens movie. Okay. And, um, so Danny, you know, of course he was like that. This is incredible. You know, like Ridley Scott's, uh, the gladiator. He directed the, gladiator, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so like, so Danny was, he was a little blown away. You know, he's done all these comedy things and, and Ridley Scott, this well-known director is asking him to do this like serious role. And, he met with him and it went really well and he offered him the part and Danny, what he told Sam was, you know, there's two ways I could go about this. I could either say, you know, what the hell am I doing here? You know, like I, this isn't, you know, this isn't for me. Or I could say, Hey, really Scott knows what he's doing and he casted me for a reason. I'm supposed to be here. And that was, it felt like he was talking directly to me for that. Yeah. You know, cause as a young actor, it's, it's that imposter syndrome is so real. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm not supposed to be here. I don't deserve this. And that's not the case. You know, you, you, years and years of classes and hard work and giving up certain things that allowed you to the opportunity to be here. Yeah. That imposter syndrome is interesting. So Uh, real, man. It is so real. You feel like, am I a real actor? Am I just, yeah. 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 Am I casted for this and this, or is it because I actually have some chops, you know? And yeah, you just, you can't look at it that way. And then, and, like I said earlier, they, they wrote this role and they loved it. Like they were in love with the role. And that was one of the first things I learned when I got on set. Everybody was just like, you're the maniac kid. Like what a cool fucking role. Like young yeah. John Goodman. And I was, that was just like, like, that's awesome. And that's so cool. Like what a uh-huh. blessing. But yeah. And that, so I, I took that, I, I, I listened to his words and I was like, okay, like I am supposed to be here. I am supposed to have this role. And I went back and I feel like I treated it differently. Yeah. You know? And then, and, and and I'm, you know, I think, I think that showed, I, I really do. And so, I, yeah, I the break you had, the, the time you had to like ponder it all. And yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was yeah. good. It that was imposter good. syndrome exists in comedy a lot. Oh, I bet. Um, like, I bet. are you funny? Are you not? Uh, th- you see it. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, How much of that, David, is it like, do you have nights where you just kill it? And then, you know, the next, next one, is it just like a wave or is it maybe you get hot for a little bit? Like, how does that work? Um, I think it's like a batting average improving okay. over time. Okay. Um, Slowly but surely, periodically. And just everything kind of happens painfully slowly over time. And I say this as still a very new comedian, like, yeah. uh, I'm even uncomfortable saying that, like that I saying the word comedian sort of, but uh, yeah, just slowly. um, It's really weird because what can happen is you can have a good show. Mm -hmm. Like this is early on. I remember this is how I would go. It would be like a 50, 50, like I'd have a good show and then I'd have a bad show. Right. Because you have a good show and you think I got it figured out. And then as soon as you feel like you have it figured out, you project that into your next performance and it comes across as maybe arrogance, non-likable. Right. The audience will pick that out immediately. And then you're like, I'm a piece of shit again. Yeah. And then that vulnerability and then the writing, and then you come out and perform again. You're just like, screw I'm going again. And then it gets better. And then you think you're the man and then. Right. Right. Plummet. So that's happened and then you just hopefully get more used and it's just an instinctive feel for how things like how you should be in the moment and then you learn little tricks to like even if a joke bombs like you can kind of 
like if a joke bombs and you act like it crushes you, then it's going to get worse. But if you're like, yeah. like Johnny Carson was good at that. Like he'd, he'd have a joke that would bomb and he'd make fun of himself, but it wouldn't like totally crush him. Yeah. So people, people would laugh at him still. Um, so yeah. Um, interesting. It's hard yeah. to even describe really. It's something but, I've always I've always found so interesting, man, and just the whole process of it. So, yeah, and the more you try new stuff, the less afraid you are. Like the the whole thing is about like pushing down that fear. That's why being on stage as many nights of the week as you can is important. Yeah, um, building that comfort with it. Yeah, and then you grow to love it. You're like, if I'm not on stage now, if I don't go on stage for like more than three days in a row, I am like really I need to get back on there. That's awesome. Dude. So, yeah. um. Yeah, I was actually wondering how you as an actor, because like, what does work look like to you? Because like, there's only so many auditions you could be going to or on set, how much like running lines with people. Like, how do you stay active as an actor? I'm I'm pretty fortunate, man. I've got a built a pretty good uh, community here of actors. And then we're pretty good about, you know, hitting each other up and saying, hey, I'd, I'd love to run a scene, you know, even if it's at your house. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to go pay for a class. Let's just go run a scene and, and stay in the work and um, build characters. So th- that's something that um, I've been very fortunate with. Um, a lot of guys that I'm, I'm really thankful for. I've met over the years. But, man, it's um, I- I've got an unbelievable agency in Houghton Talent. They're so good to me, man. And they, they've, uh, I've actually got a couple auditions I got to knock out this weekend. And, and there's some of the bigger parts I've read for. So um, they keep me very involved and um and that's that's really cool to me because that was you know watching entourage growing up it was always like oh, i want my own Ari gold but right. not quite like that but right. you know it's 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 better honestly the relationship is there so um that's been really cool but yeah i mean it's kind of the same you know you go a couple of days and you feel like you're not doing enough yeah you know and then and with what we do you can never just sit down and and you know remain at that level it's always got to be you know raising the bar and challenging yeah. so um that's something i you know i need to get back in the whole world and, mm-hmm. and you know you get more involved in it here and you, you start falling in love a little bit i would love to do some classes with you you know hell yeah bro yeah I, yeah i uh i i, I want to figure out i don't even know what what do they even do in an acting class what do you st- you're going to love it, man. You're going to love it. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's such a good time. And then I imagine, you know, I asked you earlier what your, uh, your first stand-up gig was and, and, and how that went. I imagine you remember that in great detail. I do. My first acting class after I moved here, I was staying on a hundred bar cross couch and, um, I was, you know, still kind of at that stage of like, this is scary as shit. Like uh-huh. I'm over here by myself. Like nobody really thinks I can do this. I don't even know if I think I can do this right now. Once I took that first class and it was at Alliance, when I walked out, man, it was, it was very much like a scream. Like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And yeah. it was so, so nice, man. And then it just like, it just gave me the reassurance I needed to really push and, and, and get up the hill. And, um, it's that same feeling that's that's still kind of driving me. So it's just, and you just got to find it. And that's, that's a tough thing to find. So I, yeah. I imagine you had a similar kind of feeling after that first time on stage, where it was just like, Holy shit. That, like that was fun. Like, yeah. It was bad, but it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen this probably dog shit. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, I, 
yeah it was similar feeling yeah that was it was surreal afterwards it was like you did that thing that you always thought you couldn't do or was so otherworldly and uh and yeah i think you want to do it again so um yeah yeah, that's uh that's cool you had that same instinct and just like yeah oh man (laughs) I'll have to, I'll have to show you where, man. But I, I just, I walked down that street and I just like, man, I just, I think I might've cried a little bit. It was just so like, yeah. reassuring, dude. It was just like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not afraid of, of not knowing what I want to do anymore. Cause that is something, man. That I just feel like people struggle with. Dude. i that was really well put what you just said. Uh, I, I uh, you know, living in Atlanta, mm-hmm. the time you knew me, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it it really freaked me out because by any other normal standard, I was fine. Right. I had a right. good job with a great company. I had money. I, I, I kept doing things that I thought would make my life make sense. Like, oh, they say, well, I'm still single right now, but I'll, I'll buy a, I'll buy a condo. Right. That's the next thing. Maybe I'll get a dog. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. I think there's a lot of people that are just trying to do the next cookie cutter step of whatever. Yeah people yeah. say you're supposed to do with your life maybe this relationship maybe if i get married mm-hmm. that'll make sense of this but a lot of those things won't if you if you're actually wired another way like if if there's something you really need to be doing um there's no substitute and i'm, I'm so glad yeah. that i found what i want to do too like yeah man that it's is the best doing in the world that's the hard part figuring out what it is it's, it's once you have that part, then it's like you know? it's just practical work yeah yeah. And Which I tell people all the time, man, it's just because people, you know, they're, they're weird about, about actors in general. Like it's just, I tell people all the time, you know, you know my friends have heard it a billion times. It's another, it's just a job. It's just a job. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I love it, you know? And, and like, that's just, that's just the beauty of it. But, Some actors view it as just a job. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think everyone should ultimately, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. It's an art. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's an art at that, but I mean, that's just like, that's, that's what I tell other people who are so just like intrigued by the idea of acting. And they're so just like curious, which I understand because it's, it's an interesting thing and and people love film, but it's just, that's just the only way I can really like kind of explain it to my friends. It's just like, this, this is, this is a job for me. Yeah. You know, I wake up. Yeah. You're a professional. I got to deliver, you know, and and if I don't, then I won't get another job. (laughs) So, and then it's just, I feel incredibly you know thankful that i found a job that i love because i realized and all my friends and and you know nothing against them a lot of them are great and um, best friends in the world and extremely successful but you know they may not just love what they do and you know and it's it's not their fault it's a hard thing to find dude i I fell ass backwards into it like you heard my story i was damn near a firefighter and next thing you know you know so yeah man we're, we're some lucky guys you and i to, to yeah on this and, and I, that's why i loved you telling me you just walked past the comedy club and you're like that's fucking cool and yeah you know and that's what it's all about dude it's, it's finding something and, and you know being able to take the leap for sure dude for sure um well dude we're almost at two hours um, you could have fooled me I've, I've enjoyed talking to you way too much uh, way <laughs> no too much. This no, I, I think there might even be a limit on the Zoom meeting, so we might have to. <laughs> I didn't want it to cut off in the middle of us talking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask. Um, 
what what are your long-term goals in acting man um you know one of my favorite things ever and and Mavro, my partner who who's who's so much of my inspiration and gives me so much just passion for for what we do one of my favorite things ever is the still photo of Matthew McConaughey when he wins the, you know, the not, they announced that he just won the Oscar and he just kind of looks up and everyone around him is just kind of, you know, just so just like you deserve this. It's you've come so far and, and waited so long for this moment. Do you want to win an Oscar? I want to win an Oscar, man. And it's not even just for acting. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be for directing I'm producing, you know, writing original screenplay. Because that is so much of, I think for me, Goodwill Hunting is my Seinfeld for you. Yeah. Um, and just how they just wrote that with the understanding of, hey, we're not going to get, you know, any acting jobs just handed to us. So let's go, you know, create them. Um, so I think, you know, that that would be in 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 this industry, that would be my ultimate goal is winning a Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. I love it, dude. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, um, one of my favorite actors is uh, Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's a great interview that he had with uh, Mark Marin on the WTF podcast. Okay. Um, and Mark Marin uh, asked um, Brian, "Did you have any moments in your career where you were like discouraged because there wasn't a lot of work or whatever?" Or, and Brian answered really quickly, "No, there wasn't." Um, and what he said was he loved what he did. He loved acting. And he said he didn't ever feel discouraged because he had no attachment to an outcome. Wow. And he said, wow, as long as he was working, there was no concern because I don't, whether it's a commercial or breaking bad, he just took everything as it came. And he had a really free, positive, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know Brian Cranston. I've never met wow. him or I haven't seen, but like, That's he powerful. seems like one of my favorite people off stage as well as on stage. Cause he's a fun guy. He's hilarious. Right. right. Um, very joyful in just his disposition. And I thought that was a really healthy attitude for like a creative artist. Like, you know, you, you're doing what you love. You've already made it. Right. You know, 100%. in a sense, just in finding it. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's interesting you say that, man, because, you know, a lot of people look at these, um, you know, these celebrities and, and they think about how much money they have and whatnot. So many of those people went through years and years of struggles and they love, you know, they loved it. And that's they didn't care about the money at that time. So, like, it's just like that. That's just a, a bonus on top of, you know, your hard work. And mm -hmm. So I think that's really interesting. There, there is no like there's no definite outcome that, you know, needs to happen in order to be fulfilled in this. It's just uh, and that was my goal day one. And just I just want to work. You know, yeah, you're a working actor. Yeah, that's it. You know, I just I just want to I just want to make a living. It's cool to have goals like high, high minded goals. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think they're necessary. They I mean, are. They are. I need to start making some for myself. Uh, I uh, but uh, but yeah, they're uh, it's cool just to be doing it, man. That's awesome, 100%, man. hundred percent. So I, I, I thank you for doing what you do, bro. Like this, is cool. <laughs> this is cool, man. Like, this no, is I, uh, yeah, I said at the beginning, I said, I'm super proud of you for doing it. Um, and it's, it's cool to have those moments. I think when like, uh, for you, like the skepticism, like of your dad mm -hmm. for the day you told him to like, now you're on HBO. Like, what has that been like? Is your dad, has it been a really cool, like, 
I went home. I went home and watched the episode. And with, with it, your family? it wasn't like a, you know, check this shit out. It was, it was, it was yeah, a moment I was happy to share with them. Yeah. It, it's man. I, I know what I, what I said about him and that, you know, it's all factual and he, he'll tell you the same, but my parents are the most supporting parents in the world right now. And, and um, you know, and my dad, even when, you know, there were times when I was failing out of school, when I didn't know what I wanted to do, he would have jumped in front of a car for me. You know, he's just that type of dude. But um it that was a big thing for me was going back and inviting some of that guys who um you know brandon eastlick chase turney avery wombles you know i grew up with them i've known them since i was seven years old and like and, you know just telling them they're always honest guys and i, I would tell them in tuscaloosa like hey i think i'm gonna move to atlanta and, and go be an actor and they'd be like mm, an idiot like <laughs> you ain't joking <laughs> like and it's just like i get it you know, I get it. That's just, that was a fair reaction to uh, the things that had happened in my life leading up to that. But it was very rewarding for me going back and being able to watch that with them. It was very rewarding. So love my parents to death, but told you ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, dude, that's, that's great. We can kind of, I guess, wrap it up here. I usually have the guests say like all their social media stuff. I'll link it too, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think, uh, Jake G Kelly straight up EY. That's, on, that's it, man. Jake G uh, Kelly on Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. That's about the only one I'm kind of active on right now. So do you do any stuff with your production company or anything you want to shout out there? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Steal the sun productions on Instagram as well. Um, give us, give us a follow, man. And, uh, we, we got a lot of, a lot of good things working right now. So I uh, keep an eye out for us for sure. Okay. But, um, yeah. Steel you, the sun, S T E A L D S U N productions. Plural. Okay. Awesome. You got anything on YouTube as well? <sighs> no, not currently, man. Not currently. Okay. Not that I know of at least. If I, it's possible I do, Bacon. I just, I don't want y'all to see it. So don't go, don't go let me on YouTube. You know? No, it's all good. And I actually, I don't know <laughs> if this is even allowed. I was going to, as a part of this episode, and we'll see if I actually am able to, but can, can I have a clip of the show that yeah. I, I mean, I, I can find it online and, and edit it myself. I don't know if that's allowed for, I will, yeah. Reasons. So if you tried to record it on HBO, you wouldn't be able to, but I can, I can send you a link that you would be able to go screen record it and, and export it. Okay. Yeah, yeah dude, man. that'd be awesome because I want to I want to shout you out and say, dude, I know that guy. My dude, I appreciate Future it. Future Oscar winner. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Jake you Kelly. Gotta, you got to let me know. Let me know your schedule. I would love to come over there and uh, watch one of your shows, bro. Yeah, dude, I'll be in Atlanta. Uh, I'm in Atlanta from time to time, so I'll definitely let you know. And uh, I want to do up, more. Man. I want to do more stand up there because that's kind of the next spot where I'd like to kind of do more. Yeah, so absolutely. Man. You let me know. I'll be there. All right, dude. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Talk to you soon.